Well, one thing I, I noticed about you is from an artistic standpoint, you wear some very interesting makeup on your website and in your videos. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? Why did you choose to wear this particular facial makeup, and what does it represent to you? Um, okay, well, that's like a loaded question. Uh, I'm I'm whole, an expert in those. <laughs> yeah, um, I I could write a whole book about why you know I wear the makeup because there's a lot of reasons. And part of the reason is it kind of like protects. I mean, not my identity. It does, you know, but it doesn't. I'm not really hiding who I am so much. Um, but people are lazy, so you know they don't bother to go looking up who I am. You know, you could very easily find out, but like. Don't bother, you know. I'm I'm a fictional character is what's important, you know. I'm and that's a part of like what it is too. Um like being being a clown or a mime or, or whatever, you know, I'm this I'm this uh or like in a heavy metal band, you know, it's like they're not really demons, but we, we suspend our disbelief. It's like because that makes it better, it makes it more fun or something. And um also like I've said a couple times, like it's the reason that the Pope wears a funny hat. For some reason, if if a person looks like a normal guy and they talk about weird stuff, it makes them look crazy. Um, but if somebody looks crazy and they talk about weird stuff, I'm not sure if that's a George Carlin bit, um, but but I think I stole it from somebody. But yeah, the reason that the Pope wears a funny hat is because for some reason, if a guy's wearing a funny hat and he talks about all this crazy invisible man in the sky stuff, for someone for some reason we go like, ah, that guy knows what he's talking about. So, but really, okay, for the origin of the design, I have to go way way back to um, kind of this. Uh, like, I guess it's, it's influenced by, like, the Crow or whatever and, like, 90s goth um, look, you know. But it was it was sort of a, a way that I would draw myself at some times, at some periods in my life. And then, like, uh, you know, and when you're drawing, too, it's just like you draw lines, you know, and it's just black and white on your white paper. So, like having the face be white was just like a thing or something. It's it's like to make the cartoon, I guess. And then um, later on, when I was more heavy into doing magic stuff, um, and I had my first real, like, vision questy kind of, not not vision quest, but I had, like, a vision. And and Ra came down and and talked to me and stuff and and in the vision my face looked like this um, with the cross over the one eye and I don't really know why um, it's like that it's it's significant of like my face in a in a previous life but I don't even really know the details of that, you know, and I'm iffy on, on whether previous lives existed or not. Um, it's just kind of been, it, it just kind of looks cool and it was a unique design 
and um, I've used it for a long time, and at some point it did, like, get into my astral vision. So it's like, so the face that I wear on the show is how I look in my mind's eye when I go flying around. Um, so, like, I'm making that character real by having him be in the show and then other people dream about him, which also gives him, like, more substance in the astral world or something. Um, that's not... That wasn't really a part of my plan. That just kind of happened. And then, uh, of course, the real, real reason, reason that I wear it on my show uh, is also entirely an accident. Um, I On my first episode was Halloween, and... Up until then, just in my own life, I had been wearing every Halloween, I would wear this makeup, and I would be like, hey, you know, I'm me, like, for Halloween. And uh, so, like, since my first episode was on Halloween, because I figured, like, why not debut my witch show on the witch holiday? So I was wearing this makeup. And then my second episode was, like, about... Dia de los Muertos, because, like, that's a right around, that's, like, the next weekend, you know, so um, you can stretch those two holidays for, like, a whole week, so um, so then it was like, hey, you know, that you paint your face like the dead people, so, like, it seems obvious to paint my face, like, for the second episode, and then on the third episode, I realized, like, I'm stuck, I was about to, like, set up my camera and shoot, and I was like, wait a minute. I have to paint my face, because who is that other guy? That other guy hasn't existed. You know, people who've been watching the show already know the face paint guy as their character. So, like, in that marketing way or whatever, like, I couldn't change because uh, my face is my logo which is kind of good uh, just for, like, exposure. <laughs> and that's sort of all of the reasons, or that's that's about 75% of the reasons why I wear that face paint. But I do have to admit, like, it's kind of a pain in the ass, and I'd like to stop, but I, I kind of promised even my audience that the transition will make sense like, I won't just stop showing up in it one day. You know, there will be, um, and I've hinted at it, and and in a few episodes, you you can see me um, for a moment or two. Um, uh, but I'm, so, so like, you know, laying the groundwork for that change is something. Because people don't like change, you know. They like a thing that they like, and they want it to be that way, because that's why they like it. So, um, I would like to change my face, but I really can't at the moment, um, working on it. Another thing I noticed is that in some of your videos, you'll actually jam a little bit on the guitar. When did you become interested in playing the guitar? Uh, not until way later. I had, um, uh, uh, I, I took piano lessons when I was a kid, uh, but I never really was, you know, a musician or thought of myself as a musician. I'm kind of more of a visual artist. 
And, uh, but, you know, I, I was with a girlfriend for a long time and she was a musician and she was even in a band at some point to have some minor ear damage from, you know, being too supportive. Um, and, uh, so like towards the end of our relationship, we did start playing music together. We had two guitars and we would just jam and, uh, fool around with, trying to make music, you know, without really knowing what we were doing, because she was actually a classical trained pianist and, uh, like all around, like a composer and stuff. So like I, um, but she didn't know how to play guitar. So we were just like dorking it out together. And I learned how to play a few things. And then we broke up. And uh, that was all very devastating. So, of course, I was playing the blues guitar in the empty apartment um, all by myself uh, up until right up until I moved out of there. But that was when also I started my show and stuff. Um, so I actually it was just like a means to an end. I was kind of done playing guitar around the time that I started my show, but I was, um, I still kind of knew what I was doing. So I knew enough to record for myself a little bit of a bluesy opening theme riff. And then I've kind of been using that, uh, that soundbite for two years now. And I kind of need to practice again and stuff because I've got this guitar and I'm not, Really playing it. Was one of the reasons you started the show, was it to kind of deal with some of these uh, awful emotions you must have been going through after the breakup? Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, when you have a bad breakup, you want to die. And, you know, that's not going to be good for anyone. Regard Okay, like, if you still feel for that person um, and you think that there's a glimmer of hope, you know, that you could get back together, uh, of course, like, you don't want to die. You want to stick around for the possibility that that could happen. And also, you know, it's generally not good for you yourself to die, so that's not going to help you out any. And, like, you know, if your parents are alive and stuff, you know, it's probably not going to be doing them any favors for you to die uh, because, you know, whatever, you're their, you're their, their immortality and shit. Like, so you've got to live. So what you've got to do is you've got to get too busy to uh, get death. <sighs> And uh, my problem generally as an artist is that I'm very impatient. I like to do things and I like to do them now. And I like to finish them uh, quickly. So, like, that um, that's a problem because I can't just have a painting. Uh, that's not going to keep me alive for more than, you know, a few hours. So I needed a project that was never going to end. And so, you know, what 
what do you got to do once a week? Either a newspaper or a freaking show, you know? So, like, I had the skills to make a show because I did kind of go to school for... It's weird. The sum total uh, of my school, of my going to, like, film school was literally uh, refined into, like, making the internet video. Like, that's how it ended up kind of... Everything I learned taught me how to create the internet video. And I don't even really um, have such a good one as some are out there. Like, so, um, but I have a unique show that, you know, has a unique niche. And uh, the audience that it has seems to like it. And I think it, uh, I think that it would, uh, you know, what do I want to say? I think it would do better if more people knew about it. I think people don't know about me, but also it's very strange because sometimes I'll meet people who claim to have heard of me, um, even though they're not into, like, magic and stuff. Do you feel like perhaps something was guiding you to create the show? Um, I always thought that I would make such a show. I wouldn't say that... uh, you know, that, that it's a mission from God or anything. Um, if anything, I am a God and I'm determining my own mission, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, I always thought I would make this show. Okay. Well, we'll like rewind it. Okay. Like, uh, even when I was a kid, I would like play with like a tape recorder and, and a cousin of mine had a camera and we would play around. And then like, that's how I got into like, video production in high school and then I went to community college and I did more like their TV film video program and, and took photography classes and, and then I went to like, you know, Cal State Northridge and I took, uh, their film program in this like sort of, like I literally want to say it was, it was about making the internet video, but before like, the internet video was really a thing like viral videos was kind of like just like a new like we had just come up with that phrase like the viral video uh you know maybe like a few months before um so like i always knew that i would have a show or that i would work on a show so of course like Getting out of school, though, like, I didn't really, you know, do my internships or, like, I didn't really, like, get offered any internships. And uh, I didn't uh, network properly and and I didn't have any inside, you know, I didn't have family or anything that was, like, really in the business. So I never got the job out of school. Uh so, like, for a long time, I kind of thought that, like, I would never make a show again. But, you know, you get what you wish for, it seemed. And uh, so later on, uh, but also at the same time, uh, I was practicing magical stuff. And I was trying to, um, you know, I was looking on the Internet, like, whatever, people to talk to. Um, or, or other scene, you know, what, what do I watch? 
you know, I want to think about this stuff more. I want to learn about stuff. How can I find some internet video of somebody talking about this stuff? And I would find them, but gosh, they were like boring or, or too long and, and rambling, not getting to the point. So I was always like, there should be a show where somebody just gets to the point because I'm just, you know, I'm here. The reason I'm on the internet looking up something is not really to be on the internet. You know, I'm, I'm going here to, to look something up so that I can get some information so that I can go do something. So it, it was always like I wanted to be short. You know, now ironically, you know, I spend a lot of my time on the internet, um, not just looking for things because I have to like promote myself. But ideally, you want to know how to make van van oil. So you look up my show and in five minutes, you know, I teach you how to make van van oil and I throw some jokes in there. And that's, um, then at least it's not boring, you know, because also magic, like, while it's exciting, and interesting, like, it's also very boring. <laughs> yeah, it can be. So you don't want to bore people. You want to try and keep the uh, the magic alive. Do you have a video where you would consider it maybe your best work or one that is your favorite? <laughs> Um, there is on my website, which is terrible. Don't look at my website. Oh my God, billybrujo.com. But, uh, I haven't updated it in like uh, forever and it looks terrible. Um, but on my website, on the main page, there is an episode where I tell you how to make a black mirror by painting the backside of a piece of glass and then putting it back into a frame. Um, and you know, you can put sigils in there behind and stuff, um, to make it special. And a guy inspired by my thing made a red mirror for his like voodoo Santeria style altar. And it is a very beautiful piece. Um, I've seen pictures. So I actually like that episode very much because there's a pretty good joke at the end. Um, but uh as far as things that are more serious, I have an episode where I talk about the four weapons of the magician that I feel is very um it has a lot lot of views uh people like it and it's it's very it gets you thinking about what these tools are and what they mean, and in a way that people don't really seem to think about it. Otherwise, I don't, uh, you know, because people just accept these tools at face value because they're told, like, so these are these tools, you know, and I'm like, but why are these the tools? So I kind of, I kind of figured that out. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've got a lot of episodes that are kind of good. It's hard to tell what people would like, you know, also. I, uh, a lot of the episodes that I think are bad, people like the most. 
So I I don't know what episodes to like recommend to people. It's just like at this point I've covered so many different topics. Um but I mean I haven't nearly touched on everything. So if you you know have a if you have an idea oh I, I started naming the uh in the beginning beginning of my show. I, I tried to make I tried to be so cryptic, but I was thinking I was being clever and I would title the episodes things that were like hidden jokes, um and like cross references to like uh, music and uh I kinda took that out. I took I kinda took that layer out of my show because now it's more searchable at uh at the amount of episodes that I have. So it's like you wanna know how to make Florida water, you go on my page, you uh go to videos, you know, you, you scroll all the way down to the bottom. Uh, so that it loads everything between the last and first video, you know, and you control F and you type in war water and it, there it is, you know, and there's Florida water and there's Van Van Oil and there's a couple of these things, uh, that we make all the time, you know, and then there's some other stuff. It's, it's, um, there's also a sort of virtue in watching them you know, in the order that they came out, if if you like the show. Um, because there is, I don't want to say that there's a plot, but items that I make in one episode will reappear later. And uh, there is some little bit of character development and stuff. Uh, so, like, it's fun. I created a little world, you know, it's like, like I say, it's like the Pee Wee's Playhouse of Magic, except like I wish that I was filling a half hour, uh, you know, every weekend that had like different bits and other characters on it. And, and I would like to, but I've got a couple of other forms that I want the show to take first. Like, like I would like to get to the traveling show part of the show, which is, is supposed to happen also. Traveling part? Are, does this mean you're actually going to take the show on the road? If I could get, like, I'm selling my book right now, but of course, there's only a few copies um, left, and so you know, the money that I make from it will be limited. And as you know, the YouTube ads don't really pay anything. Um, I have, I have plans to uh, maybe open a Patreon account. Uh, people keep telling me to just go ahead and beg for donations, and I kind of don't want to. I'm not good at begging. I, I kind of find it distasteful, you know. But I, I might. I'm. I. I. But if I could get the show to pay for itself, you know, it's the internet. I don't really need to uh, have a location. You know, I can upload from anywhere as long as my phone is getting a good Wi-Fi signal. I can I can do that thing where you make your phone into a Wi-Fi hotspot, and then I could upload, you know, uh, my episodes. Because, of course, I edit, you know, I have a laptop and stuff. Um, my whole kit is really designed to move, 
I bought small cameras and uh and I have this large kind of uh 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 case um if I could get everything to fit, you know, if I could get my entire uh life to fit in my car, I would go run around more and like uh visit spooky places and uh interview spooky people and do spooky things, you know, out in the woods. Uh because I think we all want also more of that, you know, it's like I, I would also like to see a show that was like, you know, I don't want to say Anthony Bourdain, but like Anthony Bourdain. I go to New Orleans this week and I talk to, you know, Marie Laveau and then, you know, we go to her restaurant and we see what she's cooking, you know, and 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 we all know that that the host of the cooking show is a chef, but they go to some restaurant and we watch that person cook um, while the host makes some jokes and, and sticks their hands in the other guy's ingredient. Um, so like something like that, where it's like, here I've been for a couple of years now sharing my recipes and now I'm going to go meet the other experts, you know, and I'm going to have them share their recipes and you know and then I could go to uh, something I've been wanting to do just here in California because I can uh, I just haven't had the time is I'd like to do the missions like in a row and stop at each one and give a little history and I don't know if I'm going to do like a ghost hunting thing I kind of don't like those ghost hunting shows um but uh, but something. It's a magical place, you know. Visit all the religious spots and uh, stand outside of the Scientology building and say, "I'm Billy Bruja, and I'm coming to you live from Tommy's famous chili burger." And then walk across the street to go get a chili burger. Did you say Scientology building? Yeah, there's around here, um, it's actually not so far from me. There's a Scientology building, you know, it's a big one, and you can see the sign, and it says Scientology. And right across the street is, like, the original, I can't remember if it's Tommy's or Tomboy's, but it's the original, uh, it's the first, you know, cheeseburger place ever in California that served a chili burger. And, uh, yeah, like, it's right across the street. So that's just a joke that, like, only a couple of, like, 60-year-old surfer dudes will appreciate who are also occultists. How do do you feel? That's, like, one guy who I've never met but lives around here somewhere, I imagine. How do you feel about Scientology in general? How do you feel about the the religion or, or whatever you would call it? What, what, you know, like, I really have no opinion. I've heard a lot of crazier things than whatever they think. Um, uh, there does seem to be 
some kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say brainwashing, but, uh, like, I guess when you get, cause boy, those people, you know, like, like there's, there's like Tom Cruise and whenever you make him talk about it, he gets so excited. <laughs> and, and so like, but you know, when I was, was doing my studies and, and learning about Kabbalah and all these numbers and, and trying to like, I was chasing this, this math around and it's, it's very exciting. Like, but other people don't know what you're talking about and because they don't know about it. They, cause they just haven't, you barely know about it. That's why it's so exciting. Like, and they certainly don't know anything about it. So, you know, I, I like, here's what I'm going to say is that Scientology is probably really interesting once you get into it because those people are so excited. And I remember when I used to be excited about something crazy. I did want to go backwards just a little bit. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that video you mentioned earlier about the, the I, I think it was the four weapons of the magician. What exactly are those? Okay, the four weapons of the magician are the wand, cup, sword, and disc. Uh, I say disc, you know, but it's like pentacle if you're using the Rider weight deck. So in the tarot, there are the four suits, wands, cups, swords, pentacles, or discs. Sometimes it's called coins or dinars, you know, or, or whatever, plates, um, So, like, uh, and and also, like, on the, okay, on the card in the tarot, the magician, he's standing at an altar, and it has the four weapons on it to signify. Uh, so each one of them, each one of the four weapons signifies one of the elements, and there is some argument over whether the wand or the sword represents fire and the other one represents air. It doesn't really matter, um, but the the thing is, is that when we talk about the weapons, we usually talk too much about this this elemental thing, because in in like Earth Wicca style, you know, kind of magic where you deal with those four classic, you know, I don't know, I think. Andre Vitimus calls them the Persian elements or whatever. Like, um, when we talk about the four weapons, we, we just think that they mean those elements. You know, we, 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 how do I want to say this? We're too mired in the ceremony and the symbolism. And I know that that's, uh, one of those things like we keep talking about when we talk about magic, uh, that these symbols and that, that it doesn't have to be a real physical object and and uh, the symbol is more important and blah, 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 blah. But if, you know, if you think about it like a caveman, because supposedly, you know, allegedly, 
these tarot symbols are so ancient and these four elements and the, the weapons attributed to them. So if you try to think about, I don't want to say ancient aliens, um, because, you know, my idea is, is simpler than that. So, but if you thought about like pre, pre-Ice Age civilization or something, you know, something that would be completely wiped away, like, um, if there was harsh enough stuff happening. Uh, like everything, you know, because you can do a lot, you know, as we see with like the Japanese, you can, you can do a lot with just paper and, and, and sticks, you know, and, and if you look at something like, like in the anime Princess Mononoke, um, they sort of live in this treehouse civilization in that, in that one village. And, and it seems like they're doing all right. Um, just with arrows and whatever, you know, you don't really need guns until you like want to kill other people, you know, and, and that's just because you want something bigger and more scary than arrows. Like, so if you think about, um, you know, if, if we're going to go with an evolution thing, like that we were once just having nothing, you know, not making tools yet, then a person who even had any tools at all would seem to be a magician, you know, because they could do things that you couldn't, you couldn't even understand Hmm. what they were doing. You know, like they pick up a stick and then they can wedge it kind of underneath this rock and between another rock and then they can move that big rock and it's like, holy shit, you know? Um, how how did you even know that that was going to work? So the wand is is to me it's that it's that prying stick it's it's the lever which is like one of your six simple tools you know and that's because it's like a very basic idea um it's it's this thing you have this wedge stick and you can kind of you can now move things that you couldn't previously move so you can i don't want to say clear a path for agriculture, but I mean, you can certainly like exert your will on nature more and, uh, you know, you can put a sharp end on it and you can poke things with it and, uh, maybe get fed, you know, that night. So, so the wand is like, uh, symbolic of willpower and, I think that's pretty fitting because it just takes, you know, it doesn't take anything to make one. You kind of just have to want a stick and you can have a stick. Um, they're not, they're not difficult to come by sticks. Um, getting the one that is right for what you want, you know, is a little bit harder, but it can still be done, you know, and, and for free, like without any coins or calorie shells or anything. So basically, so then, what you're saying is, if I'm watching a movie like Harry Potter, and we have these characters that are, you know, fantasy characters that are waving around sticks, these sticks, they actually go back to uh, caveman days, in a way. 
I mean, I think so. This is my like theory is is that the reason that this this decorative stick, you know, okay, also if you read different um if you read different grimoires, like there is uh, in the Lesser Key of Solomon, it talks about making this book. And the, it talks to you about how you have to make all these other magic tools also. But all those magic tools that you needed, the knives and the the needle and the, all of that stuff, they're tools that are needed for making a book. And so, like, something about tanning the hides to make the parchment, uh, you need, like, a stick to, like, beat them out or something, and it has to be, like, a very straight stick, and, um, you know, and it has to be properly um, hard but soft, you know, flexible, um, so that you can make those, because, you know, because you've got to make that paper flat. Uh, so I don't really know what the process is, uh, but uh, yeah, apparently you need some kind of a stick to make parchment. So, but there's another thing, like you're making this paper. That's another, uh, you can roll paper around that stick, you know, and now you have a scroll. It's like just a stick is pretty magical, like just by itself. You can do a lot of things with a stick. And yeah, if you didn't know how to do stuff, I mean, I take it for granted because my family is artistic and creative and uh, does things like make things. (laughs) But um, we know some people who often hire my dad for handyman work to help them because they don't know how to pick up a screwdriver. You know, so like to them, him being able to wave a screwdriver around and then stuff happens, it's a miracle. Um, and so like, so the same with these other tools. If you could hold water, then you, you don't, you're no longer tied to a river. You don't have to live next to a body of water now. You can take water with you and you can also boil it, you know, and making it not give you dysentery. Um, you know, so then so then we have this this cup is is the next thing and like wow, with this cup we have now upped our civilization level like considerably because now we have clean water. Uh you can also brew beer. I've heard that the earliest like forms of beer were pretty much made from just like putting some swamp water, the swampier the better, into a bucket with some, like, barley on top and just leaving it out in the sun. And that potentially, there was some whole documentary I watched that said beer was potentially invented by accident because somebody put some barley in some swamp water and drank it later for some reason, and and it was drinkable now. Um, you know, and then you have the sword, which is, of course, you know, not a sword sword. It's a knife. And, you know, evidence of stone knives has gone back to however, whatever BC, as far as we can prove, but like arrowheads and stuff like that. 
also, um, you know, having a cutting edge, being able to cut things. I always try to carry a pocket knife with me at all times, not even for fighting reasons, um, but just because you might need to cut a little bit of string off of you've got a thread coming loose or the amount of times that someone has to open a box while I'm in the same room as them, um, you know, or something, whatever, whittle a piece of wood into a figure four trap so you can catch a squirrel for dinner. Um, the knife, the knife, you've got to have a knife. Knives make the world go around. I love knives. And, and then you have the, the pentacle. It's like, uh, like I said, in, in some tarot decks, it's called the coin and it would be very easy to, to think of it as a coin because usually it relates to symbolically to earth and to like material wealth. And, and so the coin is right on there. Uh, so yeah, if you were, if you were a caveman and you saw some other guy spending coins, you would also be like, what the hell? What, what is even this? (laughs) But, um, but I, I don't really think it's a coin. I think it could be simpler than that. It's like, uh, like otters, you know, select a flat rock to put on their stomach so that they can put a clamshell on top so that they can select another flat rock and smash it open and eat it. Um, you know, there's something to having like a flat rock also, um, you know, or a plate or like a, a tray, uh, something that you can count things in or separate stuff out, you know, get the dirt out of your food. Um, so like there's a difference between the cup and the plate because like they might both be a bowl, but the one is shallow, you know, the one you can like reach into and the other one just holds water. Um, but like, yeah, so like, that's how I like sort of explain it in the episode. I, I try to break the the idea that these tools have this fixed, you know, uh, ceremonial appearance because a lot of people like to, uh, you know, especially I used to work in a store and so many times would some witch or wizard wannabe come in and and ask for a knife that was like very specific in its design and I'm like I'm sorry it's California I can't sell you a double edged knife I can however tell you how you might go about making one uh but that's not really my job in the store to be doing that so now I have a show where I can teach people how to do that and I will eventually but I actually don't promote having double edged knives because they're not as cuz this is that ceremonial thing a double-edged knife is really a killing weapon. And that's not what I see the knife as being about. Uh, the knife is a cutting tool. Very, you know, um, how many times, gee, have I had to use a knife on a person? Zero. Okay, once, but zero. Like, so... How many times have I had to use a knife to cut something, especially when I'm, like, doing magic, like, more than I can count? So, 
I think, you know, you want to get a nice single-edged knife. You know, you want to do some research about what what kind of knife you want to buy, you know, but because uh, I actually also suggest buying a knife, although it is fun to make your own stuff. When it comes to knives particularly, you can get a much finer quality knife than you could ever make, you know, from people who make them professionally. But that's if you're buying them from the right places. There's a lot of cheap crap knives out there. And there's a lot of uh, what we call in the knife snob industry uh, mall ninja crap where it's just like, that's not even a knife. It's like a skull with knives coming out the bottom so that it looks like a spider and, like, what even is that? It's going to break. It's all made out of, like, acrylic and and the worst. I mean, it's stainless steel, but it's really not. It's really not great quality metal. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff like that. Like you said, down at the mall, you pick it up, and then it'll leave a stain on your hand for the pain. Just the horrible, cheap crap. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it always makes me laugh to watch some, you know, some TV show or a movie and somebody gets their special knife and it's all got blades that curve around and stuff. It looks like just like one of those things. And I'm just like, that's going to get snagged on the person's sweatshirt. And I don't know. It, it just, I, I don't know. I don't know. You want a straight blade. You don't even want a serrated blade because they're difficult to to sharpen. I suppose another use for a, a knife or a sword of magic would be a sacrifice. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you don't really need a double-edged knife to do that either. A, a, a single-edged knife will slide perfectly right well into a body, you know, like... You know, and and I've said before also, like, I don't, I wish I could find the statistic for real, real, but, like, more people get killed by being stabbed with a screwdriver than any other kind of thing that you might stab people with. So, like, and that doesn't mean, that's not even sharp. Now, how about love potions is this something that you're against? Can they be dangerous or backfire? Um, the the good story that I have is that you know I I think that just like people in general get into magic and they don't really know what they're doing, um, and so they ask for things ignorantly because. They don't know what they're doing. And and also people are, even if they don't, uh, even if things do work out the way they want to, sometimes it just freaks them out so much that they wished for something and it happened because that's so not normal uh, that they give up, you know, and then they stop right there. So you also have to have a certain kind of bravery to, like, go on. But, like, my best, a uh, story about a love potion 
is uh, when I worked in the store, I made one for this girl. She walked in, and she was saying she wanted something like that. So I went in the back, and I made this perfume. And it's actually the same one that I make on my episode, Love Potion 69. And uh, I gave it to her. And she puts it on right there. You know, she, like, like tests a little bit, like, on her hand, smells it, you know, and puts it on her neck. And she's she's about to pay for it anyway because I, I mixed it up for her fresh right there. You know, and she it seemed like the sale was in the bag. But she, she put it on, you know, honestly. And two seconds later, this guy walks into the store and hits on her. Um. And he was kind of acting weird, and and maybe he wasn't her type or something, because she kind of turned him down right there. And then he, it was just the weirdest thing, because then he acted like he didn't even know why he had walked into the store, or what kind of store it was, or anything like that. He just, he came in to hit on her, and I'm not sure how, he even saw her, like, through the window. Um, so, like, like she put it on and literally, like, a man manifested out of thin air and hit on her. And she turned him down and he, like I said, he got, like, the spell broken or whatever. And he didn't know what he was doing there. And then he kind of left awkwardly. And then we looked at each other, both kind of like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? And... uh and so then she said, like, sold, you know. And I was like, see, that's good. She's going to go um, go to a party now where some rich men are, and she's going to put it on, you know. <laughs> like <and> That <laughs> was her problem, was that she was putting it on in kind of a weird neighborhood. So is this something that uh, a person could uh, get from your website or, or consult with you about? Uh, certainly. Well, like I say, like I kind of, um, I kind of teach people how to do it themselves because that's what, uh, when I was working at the place, I kind of felt, uh, the, well, the reason I stopped working is because I, I, I didn't like selling it so much, but, uh, that was partly the problem of who I was working for. And that me and my boss didn't really like see eye to eye on certain things. So I am thinking about starting a product line again, you know, or at least like when I am blending something new, you know, making a large batch of it and selling it off, perhaps in the same way as I did my book just now in like limited batches. Um, and, and things are available when I make them. Because um, I do need to invent some way to get the show to pay for itself. But, uh, you know, more on that to come. I have a few other projects that I'm working on, uh, on a, in a more short-term scale. And uh, But I am looking for ways to monetize my show to a greater degree. It's true. So, But nothing, nothing yet. But you can talk to me. Um, I do. Uh, I am sort of 
coming out of retirement in that regard because I did consider myself sort of retired from the magic business for a little while there. And I was just teaching now. But uh, I'm sort of coming out of retirement. So look me up. I'm on all the social media. I'm Billy Brujo pretty much everywhere that I go. And uh, I'm not that hard to get a hold of. You know, my audience is not so super big. And, of course, not all of them talk to me. So um, I am I am available to answer, you know, questions. Don't take up all my time, but, like, I'm, I'm, I'm real. How about the Van Van oil that you mentioned earlier? What could that be used for? Van Van oil is kind of used for everything. It's like a lucky oil. Um, you don't often see it by itself so much, um, although, like, sometimes there's a few little spells that ask for it to be used. But uh, but that's what I say. Like, it, it's mostly used as a component in other spells where you have some other uh, stuff going on. It's kind of a hoodoo southern thing. It's... it's uh, lemon verbena oil, and uh, yeah, it's used as an ingredient in other oils, and uh, and sometimes in like some other spells. And it's generally lucky, protective. It's like the duct tape of magic. It kind of does everything. Now, this next question, it, it might seem a little weird, but as you are most likely aware, on my show, I cover a lot of topics, and one of them is conspiracies, and there's been a lot of talk for a long time that there's a, a secret order, a, a secret elite that exists in this world that is controlling things from behind the scenes, and these people are heavily involved in the world of magic. Uh, what do you think of that idea? Do you believe it at all? Okay, well, like, um, I don't know is the first thing I'm going to say because that's, because, of course, I don't really know. I have theories, uh, but they do change, you know, often enough. Um, I want to say that sometimes things seem so on purpose. Like, I used to work at a place, and every time I would go outside, because business was slow and try to like have a cigarette, wouldn't you know that that a customer walks up right at that time, right when you light up, you have to put out your cigarette, you have to go back inside. Um, and it feels so on purpose. It's like they know because you light that cigarette and they come. Um, but of course they don't know and it's not on purpose. And no one's out to get you. Sometimes it really seems like that. And um, I do believe that um, at least in America, I don't know about the world at large, but it seems like in America there is um, the people who are in control, who they let us know are in control, and there are, there does seem to be some 
um, agenda, but I don't know if there's even anybody at the wheel, uh, you know, so to speak. Like, it might just be the convenient conspiracy. But, like, by what I mean is that it's not so um, black robes in back rooms round table thing. Um, it's just that, like, in order to make more money, we need to do this, this, and this. And it's not even... Um, it's not even malicious but it just so happens that, like, it's a perfect storm, you know, that screws everybody over. Um, and I was just saying uh, to somebody recently, like, that it seems like people are getting dumber. And if that's, like, quote-unquote, the conspiracy's plan to make us more dumb so that we're easier to control, but then it doesn't make sense because the people who are, like, in power are also getting dumber. Like, so who is going to lead us? Like, if we're all so dumb, and even the people in power are dumb, but they were doing this to control us, you know, because they had some somewhat what greater cause you know, it's like, but those people aren't going to be able to be smart enough to lead us on that crusade or whatever. So, like, I don't get it. Like, I don't see the end game, you know. That's the part, I guess, that I still have the problem with. I would totally believe that there was a conspiracy if I could figure out exactly what it was that they were up to. Okay. But <laughs> but I can't quite figure out, I mean, if they exist, I can see what they're doing, but I don't understand why they're doing it. <laughs> that part doesn't seem to make sense. So, um, because, uh, yeah, I've got a couple of, of good conspiracy theories right now. I think that Trump was a rigged. And and this is all to you know this is this is a okay so we thought Hillary was going to win you know but because that's because like George Bush and his two like terms you know George W and and during that time we learned that it was all rigged right because he really lost but then he won you know because it was rigged so then like when we knew that Hillary was going to win. That's because we all were like, eh, you know, it's all rigged, you know, so like we had given up. So then Trump wins, and and I heard people saying it like a lot. It was, it was like, wow, you know what this means? This means that voting really matters. And I'm like, you fool. This whole thing was a setup. See, they had to run the guy who couldn't possibly win against the person we knew would win and then have him win in order to trick us into believing that our votes matter. But um, why do they need to trick us into believing that our votes matter? I'm not sure. See, I'm still not sure about what the end game is anyway. 
Um, and, and a lot of that is just me joking around too. Like, like, uh, I'm right now I'm, I'm, I'm espousing the, the dolphin octopus theory, which is that, uh, the dolphins chasing the octopuses across the galaxy, uh, crashed to earth and it became dolphins and octopuses. But, uh, that's, that's certainly a joke. It could be a great, it's a great creation myth, but I need to flush it out some. Well, it seems that dolphins are very, very intelligent, maybe even as intelligent or maybe even more intelligent than us. Well, that's what it's based on, is because also octopi are very intelligent. Um, and I've heard that the only upward limit on their intelligence so far has been how long they live. And apparently they don't live so long. So I had this, I sort of had this just writer's inspiration where I, I thought, well, like, if you think of, like, Cthulhu as being this thousands-of-year-old octopus, and if if they can learn so much, you know, in, like, whatever, let's say, let's say that they only live five years, you know, and that they can get as smart as an eight-year-old, well, that's already smarter, faster than us, you know. So if there was this thousand-year-old octopus, damn right he can travel through time and, and turn into anything that he wants and, you know, go to other dimensions and, and stuff. So, like, he was probably this really bad guy. And dolphins, right, dolphins are so smart and, and they communicate with, like, psychic sound waves or whatever and and so then there's the dolphins and and they're like the space cops and they chase the octopuses through the stars you know because of the octopuses war crimes and somehow they crash to earth um and they go into the ocean of course well because it makes sense because like we already know that you need water for life. So I bet there's more aquatic life out there in the galaxy than there is land-based life. I, I bet we're kind of the freaks being land-based life because, like, what are we doing up on the land? Like, when you're in the water, like, you've, you've solved a lot of your body temperature problems and, um, you know, waste disposal problems and like sometimes even your breathing problems like um so yeah i don't get what this whole hassle of being on the land is you know you can also be like weirdly or shaped in the water kind of i mean because you can float around you don't quite have to support you have more freedom of like skeleton shape you still got to be like hydrodynamic or whatever but um Yeah, so, like, and and for some reason that makes me feel like if you were even, like, in spaceships, it would be easier to, like, just make a big metal sphere full of water. And even though it would weigh, like, a million pounds, once you're in space, that's not a problem. And, and it seems like that would solve, like, your pressurization problem more than than being in a gas um, bubble like we do with our astronauts. If you were in like a, a water 
bubble. Hell, if you had enough water, um, it would gravitate, you know, towards itself. So, like, you, you might not even need to have a metal shell around that water bubble. You could just make a big enough water bubble and somehow put rockets on the back of it. <laughs> no, I don't know. Do you, doing your work and and have, having this, uh, you know, this status as a brujo, as somebody that that can consult with you, do you ever have to deal with demonic beings attacking you or anybody else or people becoming possessed? Um, I have, and this is why, like, I want to say that um, when I first started working, oh, shoot, um, when I first started working, I uh, I found out very quickly the difference between the person who's having a genuine haunting and the person who is on drugs. Because the person who is having a real problem is too calm about whatever it is that is going on. And they, they seem confused, but they... Um, You know they they they're really calm about it and they're they're embarrassed. And but the person who's on drugs comes in to ask for help and is like, ah! the demons are in my hair. Get them out of my hair. And they come in every day for you know to buy the same candle and think that you haven't seen them before uh, when they ask for the same thing again. So. A lot of the times when you deal with possession and and stuff where people are acting really wild, a lot of times it is a drug-induced thing, whether by, you know, just by that person being very suggestible or something. But, um, you know, because most often... I don't know. If you have any kind of self-identity or willpower, um, even if you've got really whipped up in your magic and got yourself possessed by some, you know, loa spirit or something uh, to the point where you didn't even know that you were you anymore, still usually pretty much by the next morning, you know, you're going to be yourself again. Um, because spirits are transitory that way. You know, they're spirits. Uh, have I ever dealt with, like, an un, an unintentional possession? Like, no, not really. Not one that was, um, what do I want to say? <laughs> Fatal. Um, but I know, um, people who are more sensitive these days, and I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility, but I still think that um, the instances of it are probably few. How about, well, one figure that is very prominent in the world of occult and magic is the late, great Aleister Crowley, 
Do you have any thoughts or opinions on him? Uh, I call him my teacher because he was the first magic book stuff that I was reading that really made any sense because I had read some other things, but a lot of it was uh, like, like I was talking earlier about recipes. Um, I had this one book. It had some recipes in it uh, for some different spells. And but it didn't really tell you what to do with them. And I read a lot of other magic books that sort of talk about um, that magic, you know, is a thing, and it, it people have done it for a long time. And uh, here's some some stories about some things that happened that are possibly magical, but. They don't really say how to do it. And uh, then, of course, like I was just, um, right now I'm reading this Cunningham Introduction to Wicca for the Solo Practitioner. And and Cunningham is such a, a dear softy. He, he kind of says, like, eh, you can kind of just do whatever you want. Um, but... Uh, so like, and and of course I'm not done with the book. He's going to say something more. Uh, he's going to say a little bit about how to do it, I think. But uh, right now he's kind of not saying anything. And so that was like, I don't know, that was like a thing. A lot of magic books talk about stuff, but they don't really tell you how to do it. And he was one of the first things that I ever read where he said, like, okay, you know, sit down, breathe, you know, like, uh, visualize the the sun, you know, and the, the planets going around it, you know, like, he was the first guy that I read that, that set it up as, like, so you want to be a magician? Here's a course in how to do it, instead of, um, like you were saying about Harry Potter and stuff earlier, there's always this heredity thing uh, that people like to prove that they're a, a ninth generation witch and that all of the women in their family have been witches since whatever and that they're a witch because they've been witches and being a witch is special and it's somehow in your genetics. And I don't think that's very... Um, the martial artist in me calls bullshit on that because I think that you can train a person to do anything. And uh, I'm not going to say that having talent is not a thing. It certainly is, but I don't think that you have to have the gift or anything. Uh, I, you know, it's something that you can learn and practice makes perfect just like everything else. What types of martial arts have you studied? Personally, I took some, when I was very, very young, I took some judo uh, and karate. Uh, later on, I took a little bit of jujitsu, not very much. Um, uh, and then later on, I learned Naginata and a little bit of Kendo. And that's 
Oh, oh, and and uh, uh, Yichuan and a little bit of Tai Chi, but like not really very much. I'm kind of just a. I'm kind of just fascinated by the martial arts. I have a little bit of. Just like with uh, my knowledge of magic, actually, it's like I know a little little bit about a lot of everything, and I can I can direct you to maybe where you want to go, and I know enough that I'm kind of a toolbox. I can do a little bit of everything, whatever might be needed of me at the time. Have you ever had to use any of your skills to defend yourself? Not really. Um, you know, like I said earlier about how many times have I used the knife on a person, you know, like zero. Uh, one time I did use it to kind of threaten uh, someone. But uh, that wasn't really, there wasn't much martial art involved in that. Um this one time I kind of was being, um, I don't know, attacked, whatever you want to call it. This guy was rushing me. And so I, I grabbed him and I'm not even sure what I did. I kind of just sort of moved my hands around in this way, you know, and turned to the wall that was right behind me, you know, until I was pushing him against the wall and, uh, you know, and I had his arms kind of tangled behind his back, but not in any kind of like real hold or anything. Um, just, you know, this guy ran at me and I kind of like pinned him against the wall and, uh, that was it. <laughs> I've had to, I've had to use, okay. The reason that judo is great and why everybody, parents, uh, enroll your kid in in three months of judo and then take them out of, and then you don't have to do it anymore. But in the first three months, they teach you how to fall down without hurting yourself. And that has, you know, probably saved my life. But, you know. I can I can remember a lot of times when I've fallen and it wasn't fatal and I didn't hurt myself when I should have. So this probably saved my life too. I just can't think of the time that happened off the top of my head. Have you ever thought of incorporating martial arts into your show? Um, I did. I did a little bit of uh, mudra stuff. And I talked about uh, the horse stance, which is a very, you know, for all you yoga people out there, and we always talk about, you know, the core and, uh, you know, building up that core. Uh, the horse stance is this incredibly difficult way to stand. Um, but if you can stand that way for five minutes, apparently... Uh, not only will your legs be better at Kung Fu than a lot of people who claim to know Kung Fu, but also uh, it has all kind of health benefits. Like, so, uh, and apparently, 
it's also uh it's it's like good at building that internal strength or whatever. So allegedly there is there's one of those mystical kung fu techniques. Uh, if you can stand in a horse stance for five minutes, then you can start to practice developing something called a one finger shooting zen, which is like and I'm not gonna say it's a Kamehameha wave. Uh it's more like uh it's more like a Hadouken maybe. But with one finger. But you can you can allegedly learn how to, you know, hit a guy without touching him. Sounds like you might be a Dragon Ball Z fan. Um I'm just I'm just how could you not know that it exists um, is just one thing, you know, but uh, look, I'm just, I'm just a regular guy, just like everybody. Like I watch stuff because stuff is out there to watch. You know, I haven't been only reading magic books. I still watch a movie every once in a while. Um, I keep telling everybody to watch the, the sci-fi channel 12 monkeys show because I don't know. They dealt with time travel in a cool way uh, in that show. Now, this this question uh, I feel is important because a lot of people that might not know a lot about magic are most likely listening. How about curses? Is it safe to curse somebody that you do not like? Um, well, all right. So there's a couple of schools of thought on this, of course. Um, mainly what what I'm into, because, of course, there are different uh, schools of thought in, in the world of magic. And, and what I'm into is something we call chaos magic, and, and it's kind of a DIY make-your-own-rules situation. So we talk a lot about paradigms which is like how you believe that this all works. Because if you look across cultures, uh, you know, we, we have different beliefs about magic and, and what it is and, and how it works. But we do seem to all recognize this phenomenon about, like, asking for things from the universe and receiving them. So some people say that, right, you know, and this is the, the Wiccan thing that like whatever you send out you get it back times three. So you know and and in in Hinduism or whatever, you know, we get more of an equal exchange with this like idea of karma, which a lot of people think is like an eye for an eye, but it really isn't. But uh let's let's think about that like more equal exchange. That maybe makes more sense than the mystical threes thing. But um, since I'm talking about basically like whatever you believe is how it's going to go down. So if you believe that doing curses is bad, then you're going to have bad things happen to you. And uh, let me also, like, say the whole thing about the monkey's paw and, like, uh, because that's a very famous story and, and 
the whole thing in that story is they, they wish for things and it, they get them, but it's bad. And, uh, so, you know, you might like, not like, let's say you don't like your boss, you know, and you put a curse on them and then they die in a car accident. Well, you just had to get yourself a new job, son, because you didn't think about that very clearly. Um, because now that your boss is dead, who is going to pay you? You know, so like, you have to think about how, if you're going to put a curse on somebody, at the very least, you know, you have to be sure that you never want that person in your life ever again. And if you can deal with that, then you're probably pretty safe. Um, but then also, you know, so then there's a thing about guilt. If you would feel guilty, even if you don't, didn't like that person, you know, this is the Elmer Fudd effect where you kill the rabbit and then you're sad now that you killed the rabbit. Um, you know, that's, that's the other way. Cause then once you hate yourself, um, it's very easy to just have your luck get worse and worse and worse because, you know, you'll be basically, you'll be cursing yourself. Um, so like, yes, it's a matter of, of planning and of, of justification. Because if you feel so absolutely, you know, that this person has done such a heinous crime, that you needed to put a curse on them, like, then you're working with, you know, righteousness, technically. So then it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing because it's divine um, punishment or whatever. You're just meeting out karma or something, you know. But this is going to be in the in the case of extreme cases like, you know, revenge for, like, real murder or, like, rape or something. Um, you know, don't be going and doing this lightly. Um, that's, you know, be responsible, be real. Like, you're not going to put a death curse on somebody for talking smack about you on the Internet because that's just not very mature. And we have this joke in the magic world that anybody who's going to put a curse on you for talking smack about them on the Internet probably doesn't have the power to put a curse on you. Well, that's true, but like I said about talent, and, um, you know, sometimes you, you cast a spell and it works, and sometimes it doesn't. We still don't even really know what makes it work or what makes it doesn't, so... You never know when somebody who's just playing around might not launch something off that is really devastating. So, um, like, I don't advise cursing, but in my book, I do uh, mention them because I try to cover everything in my book. And... Um, you know, I don't deny that they're not out there and that there aren't 
circumstances in which they can and should be used. Are there any beings or spirits that you consult with or talk to on a regular basis? Not so much anymore. Um, I... I I typically summon stuff up to ask it something if I need to know, and then I let it go about its business. Because uh, if we're going to treat the world of spirits as being a world of spirit people, they probably have stuff to do. So you can call them on the phone, you can ask them stuff, you know, but then they probably got to go because they probably have stuff to do. So, like, I don't want to be a bother. Um, and then, but then also, you know, sort of in my own head, uh, I don't want to call it a spirit, though. I don't even want to call it a, a split personality or anything. It's not that extreme. Uh, there's sort of me, and there's the guy who is also me, but is in my head. And uh, because we're basically the same, and uh, it's just sometimes when I'm doing something, I'll get a thought in my head that's like, why are you doing that the stupid way? And then sort of out loud to myself, I'll talk back to the thought, and I'll say like, oh, you're right. And it feels like I'm talking to somebody, <laughs> but... um I wouldn't call it a spirit. I would just call it a, you know, another aspect of myself or something. And it's not even like, it's not even like dark brujo versus light brujo or anything that extreme. It's it's just me and the other me and whoever, whichever one of us is in the head and whichever one of us is in the body, um, the one in the head happens to have that higher perspective because he's in the head. How do you feel about Christianity? Uh, there ain't nothing wrong with it as a religious system. Um, any way that you can talk to your God is a good way. Uh, seems like there's a lot of zealots who uh, say some weird stuff that I don't know if that's very Christian of them to have those viewpoints um, seems kind of anti-love. And then there's some Christians who are saying some really bizarre stuff about, like, science not existing. And science clearly exists, guys. Like, I'm a sorcerer, and I'm not going to tell you that science doesn't exist. It clearly exists. Um... So, you know, um, when, a, when a doctrine has been around for a long time and been translated a lot of times and uh, there are unscrupulous people who will use, uh, you know, those things and interpret them to their own ends. And that's maybe gotten a little crazy lately in America. Um it doesn't seem like Christians elsewhere on the planet 
are quite so crazy as America's Christians. Um, but uh, America's crazy Christians aren't even quite as crazy as some of the crazy people and some of the other religions out there. So uh, we may be very bigotry-related, uh, but so are those other crazy people in other countries with their other religions. So um, what am I going to say? The, the problem is in is in, I don't want to say organized religion because having organization isn't a problem either. Um, once again, it's, it's a problem of, of who is having these agendas. And I don't really know who that is. How about the other end of the spectrum? How do you feel about Satanism? Um, among Occult types, uh, actually, Satanists are kind of the most, uh, I used to say that Satanists were the most normal, because a lot of them are just atheistic um, and hedonistic, and they're relatively nice people, for the most part, um, they just want to do whatever they want. And uh, a lot of them don't even have, like, magical beliefs. Um, they do do a little bit of satanic ceremony, but they... Uh, it's kind of just for fun. Um, but, of course, those are the atheistic Satanists, which was really the way... Uh, that's, that's what the proper Church of Satan is supposed to be, the Levian Satanists. Uh, even though LeVay seemed far from atheistic himself, he promoted an atheistic view. And uh, Satanism was really this, basically, it was like supposed to be the opposite of Godism, like just to like to not have a God. And, and Satan is kind of seen as this like uh, heroic character, you know, he, he brings... Uh, he's like Coyote or Prometheus or whatever, you know. He kind of like gives he, mankind his his willpower and stuff. Um, so, but more recently, uh, I keep hearing about spiritual Satanism, which is this kind of new uh, school of Satanism, and these people actually worship Satan. The other Satanists don't actually worship Satan. Um, but these newer Satanists that do worship Satan, and they do all kind of crazy stuff, um, like in mockery of Christian rituals and, and doing things like upside down, and and they kind of get into like blood play, and, and you know, I don't want to say that they're sacrificing animals, except it seems like they are now. Um, it uh, so, I don't know. These new Satanists are crazy. Uh, the old Satanists, the 90s Satanists were cool. But these new uh, millennial Satanists, I don't know. I don't know what their problem is. Um, it seems to me like these newer Satanists learned about Satanism by watching those corny 
anti-Satanism propaganda things that they had in the 90s um, where they would talk about all this crazy stuff you know that Satanists don't even do but these new Satanists do seem to do that and uh, it's very worrisome or otherwise like I'm just getting old and uh, you know everybody thinks that the kids are crazy when they get old How about psychedelic drugs? Is it safe to mix psychedelic drugs with magic ritual? Um, It depends. If you're uh, you're safe and you're around people that you know, you know, and and you've done it before, um, whatever psychedelic drug you're doing, um... Because having done it before or not, you know, can sometimes make it be a different experience. Um, hey, if you want to see some angels and talk to some angels and learn some angel stuff, then certainly take hallucinogenics and do some kind of thing where you call up the angel to come down and talk to you. But if you were doing, you know, like there was a phase where I was doing that because they said, you know, in the books that I was reading that you have to do that. But I'm not so much interested in talking to angels and finding out what angels do with their day. Um, Or even, uh, I don't know, other stuff whatever other stuff that angels could tell me, I'm more interested in making things happen. So, like, I don't think that psychedelic drugs are really a prerequisite there. Um, Psychedelic drugs are if you want to go, yeah, have vision quests and learn the secrets of the universe. Uh, If you want to just cast a spell, you don't need, you don't need, that's gilding the lily. And and also, you know, if if I mean I've never hallucinated so very hard, but I imagine that it's not uh that if you're tripping then you're gonna be tripping and so you're kind of just at the mercy of your trip. And that's no not so constructive when you actually wanna be like creating uh something willfully created. Do you ever astral travel, or have you tried it? I have. I can't get really far. Um, I don't really like to. Um, And as far as times that I've done it as an experiment and gone out to go visit somebody and then, like, later ask them to confirm, you know, what I saw... um, Results have been uh, only about as good as guessing, um, and I'm actually much better at just guessing than I am at actually trying to uh, see things. Recently, I was in a part, uh, I'm in a, a sort of a group that meets once a week. And and we talk about occult things because each of us has a slightly different background. And 
we were talking about like what sense, you know, when you sense things, what sense do you primarily have, you know, because uh, some of them very clearly like see stuff or hear stuff. Um, one of them was saying that, you know, not them, but a, a person that they dated once would smell things, um, you know, and it was like, you know, because they, they, they were they were smelling her grandfather's aftershave or something, you know, like, and uh, for me, it's not, you know, it's just like I'll know some stuff. Like, I don't, it, it doesn't have a particular feel, touch, taste, smell. It, it's like, it's just data. I'll kind of just suddenly know a bunch of stuff. And that's um, much faster, I feel like, than than having to go fly around and spy on you through your window. Um, so, I don't know. I don't see a need for for it, once again, it, it seems to be a, a thing, you know, people are such voyeurs, they want to see the future, they want to know things, you know, I don't really care, man, I guess, <laughs> like, what you're doing in your shower, I'm not going to go fly around and look at you in your shower, so uh, I, I, um, I don't really practice the astral projection so much. Ouija boards, do they actually work, and are they safe? If I was to use one, could I end up in an exorcist situation? Probably not going to end up in an exorcist situation. I have heard people use them, and things get all weird. This is another example of where, you know, Everybody knows somebody who has a story about the Ouija board and about it like then everything was weird after they did it. Well, here's the thing about the Ouija board. Um, because you don't even need a, a Ouija board. A, a Ouija board, like, like get the Ouija board out of your head. There's nothing special about a Ouija board. Um, it's just a friggin' piece of cardboard. Um, it has no inherent magical uh, abilities. It's used in the English letters, you know, like, which are not even, it's not even Hebrew or Sanskrit or something magical. It's it's not even anything you have to know. Um, it's just, uh, okay, so, but when people use the Ouija board, the, when they set it up, and they sit around it in the circle and stuff. They they get serious or whatever. It it takes on this ritual atmosphere, which is a part of what attracts the spirit. If we're gonna go if we're gonna go down the road of saying the spirits are really real. So we've set up this this ritual situation which which is already like attractive to spirits. And then we're going to, then the next thing that we do is we call on the spirit. You know, we always, they always say that. We see this in the movies and the TV shows. You know, they say like, is anybody here? Anybody. This, this is your problem. 
this is your key technique problem. Anybody means anybody. You know, you can ask for specific people. You don't have to just ask for anybody. So, you know, the kids get around the Ouija board, ritual thing gets created, some spirit energy is stirring up, and they ask for anybody. So something horrible shows up because who's available? Horrible people are available because, like I said, the spirit world, if we're going to go with that, you know, and spirits being a, a thing, spirits got something to do, you know. So just like us, probably all of the good spirits are employed, you know. So who's hanging out with nothing to do better than talk to some kids? Like somebody horrible, you know. And and that's, so that's what you get when you, if you, if you set up the Ouija board, and you said, I'd like to talk to Archangel Mikael. Mikael, are you here? You know, now we're talking. Now it doesn't have to be a dangerous thing. You know, but people um, don't, you know, like I said, like get the Ouija board out of here. You could do this like like those ghost hunting shows. You know, they don't even have a Ouija board. They just go in there. With their, with their, with their night vision camera and they say, is anybody there? And then they say, ooh, ah, did you hear that? And then they run through the house. You've seen them. So, no Ouija board involved. You just gotta say, is anybody there? And someone will be there. Um, but are you gonna end up in a exorcist type situation? Probably not. Because, like I said, when we were talking about possession, I think it's kind of hard to get really possessed, possessed. But um, everybody's story is different. People who are more, uh, how shall I say, mentally fragile um, might be more apt to get possessed. Um, also, possession you know, is not even, they call that being ridden in, in voodoo tradition. When you're, when the spirit has come, it's, it's taken you over so much that you're not even aware of what's happening, you know, but, but your body is moving around and doing this thing and the spirit is totally controlling you like a doll. And like I said, usually that wears off, you know, by itself eventually. Um, if it doesn't, then it's it's really not the fault of the magic. Um, I'm going to say, if if a person couldn't recover, you know, from it and and spends the rest of their life in a mental institution thinking that they're Napoleon, uh, that problem that person was probably going to end up in the mental institution anyway. Do you ever? Do you ever do things to divine the future using tools like tarot cards? Um, I, I use tarot cards. Uh, tarot cards are a thing. Um, I don't know how. 
Uh, I don't like, like I was saying about spirits and them being maybe not real. And like I was saying earlier about paradigms and kind of like how you believe that this stuff works. I try to keep it towards the skeptical side. So I do use tarot cards, um, but are they of a mystical nature in any way? No. Um, they, they have these symbols, and the symbols, they're not all completely open to interpretation to mean whatever you want them to mean, but uh, they are very open to interpretation. And also, it's kind of one of those just, we're all the same things, you know, and, and it's, we all have love and loss and uh, birth and death and money and money problems and more love, and we eat, and we go to parties, and we go to the bathroom, and sometimes we go in the water, and, um, like, we all do the same stuff, you know? So, like, these cards, when you lay them, when you shuffle them up, and you lay them out, they, they allow you to think abstractly about your life situation in a way that occasionally provides new perspective, uh, you know, that you didn't have before because you were mired in your own thought patterns. I'm, I'm sorry, Billy. So, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it looks like we have a caller on the line. Caller, are you there? Yeah. How are you doing, Daniel? Uh, awesome show. Thanks. Uh, Mike. Hey, hey, Mike. Uh, how are you doing? Did, did you have a question for Billy? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, about the magic wands, I make ma my own magic wands, and I practice my own style of magic. I don't follow any sort of anything. It's just sort of I was born with it. And uh, I was just wondering what he thought. I use driftwood and crystals. Driftwood is very cool um, because, of course, you know. Uh, it's mysterious, like how, you know, where did it come from? Uh, uh, but like, yeah. oh, 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 okay. So it's not like ocean driftwood. Yeah, that, but, uh, that aspect is, yeah, I don't know where it came from. You're right. It, it sure looks. And cool. yeah, you know how the way that water polishes things is very beautiful. Um, I find ones, uh, I go to the beach once once a year at um, the early part of the uh, summer or spring. When the ice melts, that's when you find the best pieces. And like I was saying... Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, well you know, like I was saying, um, I think that the the ceremonial tools have a place. Um, I certainly own a lot of them myself. Um, uh, lately, I've been trying to, like, move in a more practical direction. I'm trying to think about, you know, multifunctionality of my ceremonial tools. So right now, something with a crystal in it is probably a little too fragile for me. But I do love to see, you know, beautiful pieces of art. 
What do you mean, fragile? What do you use your wand for? And uh, do you believe in mind over matter? Right now, I'm using a crowbar for wand um, because, well, symbolically, um, because I can open doors with it. Um, and I can actually open doors with it. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's like not a myth. Neighbor's apartment and bingo magic. I got free beer. Not that I'm opening anyone's doors with it, but <laughs> the concept is, you know, there. So, um, you know, I haven't, uh, 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 the wand is so mysterious, really, because it is just used for, like, gesturing, usually, in in rituals. So, um, you know, sometimes they use a spoon. Sometimes they use a... It depends on the ritual I'm doing, uh, what object I will select to to have be my wand at that time. Um, I don't really have, like, one magic wand to rule them all and in the darkness find them. Awesome. Did you have any more questions, Wolfman Mike? Oh, looks like you're breaking up. So, uh, um, Did he answer the one about uh, mind over matter? Oh, mind over matter. Um, Do you believe in that? Well, I believe that you, I believe that you can control your body to a great degree. Um, I do have a vague memory of having levitated for a moment when I was a child. I'm trying to figure out how I did that uh, because I do believe it's possible. I have seen some things that are pretty weird. Um, but have I got it down myself? No, not at all. Daniel, do you think he was abducted? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't think so, Wolfman. But I'm going to let you go and get back to the, inter- the interview. Thanks for calling in. All right. Thanks for letting me have some questions, bud. Take care. No problem. Uh, we, we'll talk to you later off the air. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And Billy, I, I did have just a couple more questions for you. We, we are uh, sure. approaching approaching the bottom of the hour, but how do you feel about aliens? You did have a very interesting theory, but do you believe that there are actually aliens out there? Um. Okay. Well, planets that have water are not too terribly uncommon. Um, we've of course found planets that have, uh, some kind of Earth-like atmosphere. I don't know that we've found planets with, like, vegetation on them yet, you know, but that would be enough right there to say that we're having aliens. So, um, I don't even know if we've found, like, space rocks that have real microbes in them yet or anything, um, because that's aliens right there too are there aliens who can who are like buzzing around in our skies right now I don't know 
Um, it's possible, but I think it would be a bigger deal than it is. I don't think, um, like, I don't think that the government telling us that they don't exist or whatever, uh, would, would stop us from knowing about them existing if they really existed. And if they really existed, we would have better evidence um, than a couple blurry videos, you know, and some crazy people's stories, sometimes which are too big. Like, there's this one guy who's supposedly, like, a very credible guy who allegedly saw some aliens or, like, worked with some aliens on some government thing. And um, his story is just a little bit too wild. Um, I don't believe that that man went through the kind of action hero story that he describes if you look at him. But then, you know, like, whatever. Then the government, like, killed him, like, a little while later for talking about his story or something. So who knows? Um, aliens could be a thing. Um, I don't think the aliens, like, taught us how to build or anything. I don't really believe in the ancient aliens thing. If aliens came here, it was either so long ago that, like, humans weren't even really a thing yet, or, um, or they're not here yet because only just like us. They've probably only made it as far as us, you know, and, and, you know, those distances in outer space, they are very far, very, very far. Even if you're traveling at the speed of light, even if you were traveling faster than the speed of light, it, it, it would still take such a long time to get anywhere that it seems like it's not worth, it's not worth the gas money to come visit. Okay, awesome. Uh, Billy, I just wanted to go ahead, since we are at the end of the interview, I wanted to go ahead and just completely open up the floor and give you an opportunity, if you'd like to say anything, if you'd like to get up on the soapbox one more time, if you'd like to say anything to all the people out there, feel free to use this opportunity and also feel free to follow it up with any plugs that you might have, website, uh, seminars, anything that you have going on. Uh, well, that's just it. I mean, I guess I don't really have an agenda. Um, my my primary um, religion or whatever that I preach is is not unlike Aleister Crowley's. You know, I believe that you should do what you will. Um, you know, try to be a, a good person, whatever that means to you. Um, try to be the best person that you can be. Uh, have a hobby. Uh, do something that cultivates your soul. You know, even if that it doesn't have to be a religion. It can be art. Um, it can be poetry. It can be music. It can be martial arts. It can be whatever you want. But I think you know that it's good to have an interest. It's good to have something that you're excited about. Um, 
Uh, I'm not going to say we should all love each other in peace and lovingness and mankind. Wouldn't it be nice? But, you know, some antagonism uh, uh, makes you strive for evolution. So we can't have everything be peaches and cream. Um, and then, yeah, I'm Billy Brujo. Billy Brujo's Black Magic Cooking Show. I have a, at least one episode every week where I teach you something witchy and uh, either about some traditional symbolism. I'm kind of doing a, a set on the tarot right now. and uh, But usually I, I have something art project related. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times I've got some occult humor in there, which... Uh, there's not much of, and uh, the occult students like it. So come on down to my show, learn some things. I've got this book out right now, The Book of Artifice. There's only a few copies left um, because it is a limited run. Uh, get in contact with me personally, billybrujo at gmail.com. Uh, if you are interested in buying one, um, my next big project is I'm going to do a tarot deck myself, uh, which, which synthesizes all of this stuff that I've been talking about the tarot on my show, uh, lately. That's, that's my next big project. After that, I'd like to do another edition of my book because it'll been out there enough time that the people reading it will have, uh, Giving me some feedback, and I can maybe make some revisions to future editions. And uh, so the tarot deck is next. The book version two is going to be after that. And yeah, I'm sort of coming out of retirement. I might do limited runs of some spell powders, oils, perfumes, components. Um. And I also have uh I also have just some fun stuff to sell. I might uh start taking payments in exchange for sending out sort of surprised gift packs to people. Um I'm working on that. More on that in the future. Uh check out my show and my channel for future details. I'm pretty much everywhere on the internet as Billy Brujo, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Facebook, email, everything. So uh, I'm not so hard to find. I'll have the cross eye as my logo. Or I kind of have this one picture of my face that's a pretty old picture that I always use as sort of my... It's like the Che Guevara picture. It's... Uh, Limited colors would be easy to silk screen on a shirt. Certain other things, rather than Donald Trump all the time. It seems that there's some major, major issues with the way some of these young men act and some of the things that they think is okay. And what's worse, what makes it even worse is, it seems to me like women are trying are actually starting to act that way too. Like women are starting to get that selfish attitude of sleeping with people and then getting their rocks off. And that's, that's it. There's no relationships or anything like that. 
that's pretty disturbing. I don't know what has to do with the Illuminati and them trying to destroy the family structure or anything like that. Those are interesting theories. A lot of them make sense, and I, I, I know that there's some truth there, but I, I, I have to say the world has changed quite a bit. It's changed quite a bit since I was a young man. <laughs> I'm 34 years old, and I remember when I was a kid back in the early, mid-90s, late-90s, things were more innocent. They were still kind of innocent. Maybe I just watched too much Full House, but it felt a lot more innocent to me. But anyways, that's my take on that whole situation. And I apologize to those of you that hate the show The Bachelor and hate the fact that I'm talking about it. <laughs> and for those of you that hate that laugh that I do. Anyways, let's move on. Nobody wants to talk about rape all night. That's disturbing and negative, especially if you're being raped by a clown. I know, that wasn't funny. I'm sorry. Anyways, so I have a news story here. And it says that it says that sorry about that. This comes from news.cornell.edu. And apparently this team of kids from Cornell College they created some kind of rocket. They made a rocket and they entered it into a contest and they won they won a prize with NASA. Sorry I'm explaining this so slowly and badly. But they they won a prize with NASA and at first I thought that this article said that they would get to go into space. And I got excited about it because I suddenly thought to myself, okay, none of this flat earth stuff is true because these kids just want a prize to go into space. So I'm going to log this news article. I'm going to keep track of it, and I'm going to make sure that these people are real and everything. And if this is legit, then that proves right there that the earth isn't flat, and it proves that we have indeed truly gone into space. But then I actually read the article, and it turns out that the kids don't get to go into space. They're going to send their freaking rocket thing into space, <laughs> like whatever thing that they made. And when I saw that, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, that does me no good. I don't care if their stupid rocket goes into space. Maybe if it has a camera on it. I was I was really hoping for something there. Why can't we go into space? Why can't I go online somewhere and buy a ticket for like five grand and go into space. It doesn't seem like it would, it doesn't seem like it should cost that much. I mean, can't they make something equivalent to a school bus that shoots up into the outer limits, that shoots up into the, that shoots up into the outer edges of the atmosphere into space? Can't they make something that could fit a lot of people on it so that it's not that expensive? Maybe so that it's only a million dollars. So at least millionaires and billionaires can go up there. Are you telling me that won't pay for itself, even with all these tax dollars and things like that? I know, I know. He's being stupid. He's stupid. He believes in flat Earth. He's stupid. He's stupid. <laughs> but have you actually looked into it? Why is it that we don't have one real actual photo from space of the Earth? Why is it that all we have are composite images? Why does the I 
International Space Station ISS feed, the live streaming feed on YouTube, look fake. <laughs> it looks totally fake. It looks like CGI. Are you telling me that's real? Where are the clouds? Why don't the clouds dissipate and move around in patterns? Why, do, why, do, why does it look like some lit up glowing CGI thing? Especially the nighttime pictures. Those look really fake. Uh, okay. What else do we have here? On, I don't know if it was the last show or the one before that. And if you haven't listened to the last few shows, you really got to go back. As you know, this is Magic Month, and we, we've been bringing on nonstop magicians. So we've been having some really good shows. And, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the chat room. But what I wanted to talk about was the past few shows that we've done, and you really need to go back and listen to those if you haven't listened to them yet. This is Magic Month. We talked last show with Andrea Vitimus, a magician. Very good interview. The show before that was Thomas Hatsis talking about witches and psychedelics and things like that. And the one before that, we had EA Coetting on. Richard Bruce was on the show before that talking about reptilians. Not really magic related, but very interesting. And before that, Robert W. Sullivan was on here. Robert W. Sullivan IV was on here, and we did cover quite a bit of magic topics on there. So if you're into this sort of thing, then you must just be in paradise this this month, because this is Magic Month, and we're getting a lot of information out there. Like I said, one of the goals of the show is to take all of that secret information and just make it available for everybody. I, I don't think that anybody has a right a right to certain information and certain knowledge. I believe that that information should be for everybody. We should all be playing on an equal playing ground. There shouldn't be people out there that have all the secrets and the power and the wealth and the know-how. It, that's not right. So why don't we take these secrets and do what we can to make these topics more popular and encourage other people to do stuff like this? Like, what about podcasts? How many of you want to do what I'm doing right now, want to start a podcast. Well, I'm not opposed to that. I would love if you would do that. The more people that are out there doing this, the better. If there's some way that I can help you, I would be more than happy to. If you need tips or some direction to get started, I'd be more than happy to help anybody out because this isn't a competition. It's not like this is where I clock in and do my job and, I make money, and if I don't make the money, then my kids aren't going to eat. It's not that sort of thing. It's it's a hobby. It's fun. The more people doing this and the more people interacting and, and the more people I'm interacting and networking with, the better. I'd, I'd love to help you out if you're interested in doing something like this because it's just going to make the whole thing bigger and better. The main problem right now is the youth. They don't understand this stuff. They don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't want to. They don't even believe it exists. It's the kids. you you got to you got to really have, you have to care. You can't be like one of these teachers that power trips and flunks people and just, you know, acts, acts like somebody that hates kids. You have to care about the future. You have to really invest in the future. You can't just think about yourself or your own selfish happiness and pleasure. You have to think about the future. you got to think about the little sprouts. You have to think about where things are going. If you can just avoid fucking up young people, and the youth, then you're doing a lot more than 
others out there. Looks like we got a call. Howdy, howdy. Hello there. There we go. Oh, oh. Is is it him? It is the Wolfman. Hey, it's the Wolfman. Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Mike. Oh, Wolfman Mike. From Ontario, yeah. I thought perhaps we were being visited by the dearly departed spirit of Wolfman Jack. Well, you know, I could always rock, play some rock and roll on some old vinyl. Let's spin some there, buddy. All right, yeah. Can't you dig it? That's right, folks, because this is Magic Month, because we've been summoning, we've accidentally summoned the spirit of Wolfman Jack, and he is now united with our airwaves. Yeah, baby, and we're going to spin some vinyl for you, play some old Elvis, his first record released. Hello? Oh, we lost him. We lost the Wolfman. Wolfman, can you hear me? Hey, where are you? He's going to have to call back in. Wolfman, if you can hear me, then call back in because I can't hear you. I don't know what happened. Your mic got unplugged or something. There's some kind of technical issue. Oh, there he goes. He figured it out. That was Wolfman Mike. That wasn't Wolfman Jack. We just like to play around like that. Or I do. I like to play around like that because <laughs> I like Wolfman Jack. Like Wolfman Jack was the man. He was so charismatic, and so many people heard him back in the old days. And he was, in my opinion, the first really, really great radio guy that was a household name that not only would play the vinyl but brought a lot of personality in there as well. And that's no disrespect to anybody else out there that. I don't know about or I'm forgetting. I just think that Wolfman Jack is he's one of the legends of radio. People like him and Art Bell. Art Bell's the legend. Not George Norrie. He's not a legend at all. He's I don't know what you would call him. He's kind of uh well he's he's working there. He's working at that place. <laughs> That's the most I can say. Howard Stern I would put up there. I would say that he's a legend of radio. I would say that he's the best that there has been, ever. I don't think anybody's done it as good as him. He says he's the king of all media, and I would say that that's true. But I do wish that he would do other forms of media besides just the radio. He talked a lot about doing another movie. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know what happened to Wolfman. Hopefully he'll call back, but until then, there's plenty more that we can talk about. For example, one thing that caught my eye the other day, you guys might remember a few episodes ago, I was talking about my favorite superhero because a listener sent me a letter, a fan letter, to my email, that's danielendofdaysradio at gmail.com, or you can go to endofdaysradio.com and use the contact page. Now, this person asked me who my favorite superhero was. And I said it was the Silver Surfer, and I said that the Silver Surfer used to be so cool. He was just a badass. He w- he had so many different powers that he could use, and he would practically never lose to the bad guys. He was just so powerful. But I also mentioned that there is a newer version of the Silver Surfer comic 
that is a little bit more on the childish side, or I don't even know if I would call it childish, but it's not the badass Silver Surfer who's shooting energy blasts from his hands and incinerating people and doing things like that that you got back in the 90s. And I'm sorry if you're not into comic books. I'm sorry if I'm boring you to death. But come on, you got to know who the Silver Surfer is, right? If you don't know who the Silver Surfer is, jump on Google right now. Look up the Silver Surfer. But anyways, so I was complaining about the new Silver Surfer comic and how it's nothing like the old one. It just doesn't have that same magic that the old one did. It doesn't really have that that Norn Rad Silver Surfer badass feel to it. And it's no disrespect to the people making that comic or writing it. I believe that it won some kind of award. It's very different. It is kind of neat in its own right. But I don't care for the stories, and I don't care for the art. They're, the stories are a little too goody-two-shoes. They're not epic enough. They don't show how powerful the surfer is. He's never fighting anybody. And in the art, the art is very... I don't even know how you describe that. It looks well. We'll talk about this again later. It looks like we got another call. Hello. Hey. Hey, there you. Ha- there you are. Yeah, the call dropped. I'll I'll tell you what happened. It's called living in Canada. No. Uh, uh, it's called an IP address conflict because of a power outage yesterday, and I forgot to reboot that computer. It's simple. Oh, okay. Well, we've got you here now. Yeah, it won't do it again. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, I'm good, man. What do you want to talk about? Flat Earth or magic? Uh, well, I was gonna say magic, but then you said flat Earth, and now I'm thinking flat Earth. Cause I got a few things to tell tell you. Um, I'm thinking if if it was a flat Earth, logically, uh, you should be able to go to a high elevation spot maybe the top of a mountain or something. And you should basically be able to, with a high-tech um, viewing device, uh, see all the whole, all the way around. You should be able to see way over to, to mountains, like way, way over, on maybe in a different continent. There should be a lot more detailed things that you can see. But you can't. So I don't support Flat Earth. Uh, I don't think that... I think that pretty much blows it away. Because if you were up on a high elevated spot, you should be able to see a lot more than we can. It seems to just dip off in the distance, and that supports a rounder. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I do think that that is a good point, but this is where I get confused because I've seen all these videos on YouTube that show these experiments that they've done, and they show a boat going over the horizon, or not over it, but going beyond the range of sight, and you see it kind of disappear, and it looks like it's ducking, and then the person pulled out a telescope, and they were actually able to see the boat again. I think... But if they wait long enough, they'll, they'll see the boat dip down again in the telescope. Well, that's because there's something called a vanishing point. It's an object that's become too small and too uh, far away no, no. to see. I don't believe that. You can see details of stuff on the moon with a telescope. You should be able to see all the way around this planet from on top of Mount Everest then. You should be able to see the whole flat disk from up there. 
Well, there's always a point where things become too small to see. For example, the stars in the sky, I, I can't see them. That with the thing like a telescope, then, you should be able to climb Mount Everest and see the whole damn disk from up there if it's flat. You should be able to see the edges from up there. Logically, you, can, you should be able to because I can take a telescope and look at craters on the moon. So why wouldn't I be able to see the whole flat earth from Mount Everest from the top of it? Now, someone told me this, and this is the best argument I've heard yet that, you know, trying to debunk this flat earth theory. That's the best one I've heard, anyway. It, it's logical and makes sense, and I have to agree. Well, they do have they do have videos where they show a person climbing up a tower or doing something like that, and they've showed all these different ways you can see these things that are too far in the distance where if you actually took the curvature of the Earth into account and actually looked at the math and at what point that it should start developing a curve, it's been shown that those mathematics, they just don't add up because you should definitely be able to see a curve from a certain altitude, and you can't. All you can see is just flat. It doesn't seem to matter how high you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. Are you still there? Oh, I lost him. I thought that I just stumped him, but I lost him. I was like, oh, now he's thinking. And he very well might be, but I cannot hear I cannot hear the wolf man. There he is. There he is. There he is. Sorry about that. You were muted? Enough, yeah, I can hear you. You were muted that whole time? <laughs> Just for a second while I went to the fridge, but I was still listening. I had my headphones on, and I forgot I muted. Uh, but, yeah, I got a test to prove or disprove the, the flat earth theory. I have come up with a test that I want to do. And I know that there's nine inches drop for every mile. And I figure a, like, body of water would be the best thing to test because it's sitting right flat with gravity if, there, if that sort of thing exists. But you got to do a test on water. That's what I think because it sits flat. Right? Yeah. You can't do it on land. You can't check it on land, but you can check it on water. So, and it's, well, I'll find a, um, a lake or a, something, a small one that's a mile wide. I gotta find one that's exactly a mile wide, shine a laser across of it, uh, across it, or two of them, parallel beams, nine inches or something. Uh, I'm, and yeah, and put a, a target the other side where the laser hits, and it should skim right across the surface of the water all the way across on a still day, and hopefully. It, and if the laser doesn't go through all the rings, then we know that that the Earth is flat, or we know that it's not. Basically, flat. it would it would the the laser would in order to go, you would have to shine it nine inches above in order to get the hit. Right now, the person on the other side of the lake will say, okay, it's hitting um, this much above. So then we move, we move it down, and if it disappears, that means it's going through the water. That means there's a curvature. 
Yeah, right. that I, I think that that actually would work. One of the whole issues with this flat earth thing is that people can't really explain why the water is sticking to the planet. You would think that water wouldn't just stick to a round ball. You would think that it would that it would oh, just float God. into space. Yeah, it's ridiculousness. Think about it. If you take a ball, and, and a beach ball, and screw it on it with some water and wonder why it's not sticking, that's because it's not in an anti-gravity field where it is the source of gravity. Because right now we're... The Earth is bigger than everything else around us, so it is the source of gravity, right? And it, it overwhelms any small objects like that. But if you take that, like a bowling ball, out into space where there's no gravity around it, and then throw some water at it, it will stick to the bowling ball. The problem with that, though, is that if you took all the water off of the planet, it would look like an apple with bites bit it into the sides of it, why is it that the water sticks to it in a perfect sphere? It doesn't really make sense. Um, because it's spherical, and it's all pulling in just like a black hole does. And actually, I believe the Earth is sentient. This is going way woo-woo for everyone. I believe it has a consciousness, and I... And, uh, Inside the center of the earth is a singularity. You mean like a black hole? Yeah, a small one. A small black hole inside every planet. I, I believe that. Well, you know we've never actually seen the core of the planet, right? I don't think it's magma or uh, metal or whatever. I think it's a... Maybe there is that stuff around it, but I, do, I think the very center of the core of the Earth is a black hole or, or like a, a miniature dwarf sun. I suppose that a, a really hardcore Christian would say that it's hot because it's hell. Well, it, it has to produce heat somehow. This liquid, uh, like volcanoes, it's, it's got to be, ha ha there has to be fusion going on in there. Or something. Heat has to come from somewhere, from the center of the earth. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the really theory. hot, man. You go down, 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 it gets freaking hot. That means there's an inner sun. That's the theory, but it doesn't make sense. How, how could this big fire burn without oxygen? No, no, it's fusion. I think it's fusion. And it's a it's like a nuclear reaction, but I actually think it is some kind of entity, and that's a living entity. That's an energy being. Well, why is it that okay? Supposedly the Earth is spinning, and the Moon is spinning around it, and and we're both the Moon and the Earth are spinning around the Sun with all these other planets, and the whole thing including the Earth and the Sun, is hurtling through space at thousands of miles per hour. Why is it that we don't feel any of that? And why is it that we're not constantly getting hit by other planets and other bodies out there? You'd think we would have hit something by now, like a, like a pool ball, like a cue ball. Uh, okay, because w the, the Sun is sentient, and it is leading us through the cosmos in an intelligent way. And it watches to try so that none of its 
planet to get hit. It's on purpose. But that that theory is way out there. But yeah, I I feel that that's what's going on. That theory is more wild than flat Earth. Yeah, that's what I think is going on. But I'm not the only one that thinks that. Some people Uh, worship the sun. Yeah, and that's because I believe it has consciousness. When I look at the sun, I do sun gazing. I squint my eyes and I. I let a little bit of the direct light into my, because I believe we all have to um, take in ultraviolet rays through our eyes. Oh, you, you, you do that sun, gaze, sun gazing. Yeah. And they, they give you these UV glasses and saying, oh, they're ultraviolet ray protection. Well, you know what that's doing? It's taking away the only good part of the light that you should be getting to keep you sick and dumb, just like fluoride. UV protection, I believe. That's my own theory, but I believe it's another one of those things they do because they know it's good for you. And they always say, don't look at the sun. Well, I'm sorry, but it's good for you to look at the sun with your bare eyes. Just squint really hard and just look underneath it and and bring bring your eyes up and just take a little bit in. I'm not saying stare directly at it. You gotta squint your eyes. But there's people out there that claim to not eat; they just get energy from the sun. <laughs> that is possible. That is possible. I, I, I saw it on a documentary on YouTube. I never heard of that one. But uh, what do you think of that experiment? Do you think we should do it? About the, the the one I had with the with, um, using a lake that's a mile wide. Yeah, but I, the thing is though that I'm almost positive that at some point in the past somebody did a very similar experiment and they pretty I don't much think proved, anyone's done. This. I thought of this in my own. In no, my own idea. no, not I with would, a laser. That's that's all you. But. And 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 a flat surface like of water, a flat surface of water, and we should be able to measure one side if we do it nine inches up. It should be nine inches up at the other side. And somewhere in the middle, well, I mean, uh, or it should be right, uh, I would go one inch. One inch. It should be one inch on the other side. If if it's if it's going through the water, I don't think you'll see the, the laser come through the other side. It'll be deflected in the water, right? Yeah, somebody did a similar experiment, but they used, String, I think, and they actually prove that the Earth is flat. Yeah, I don't trust string, man. String can, nah. A laser has to be a laser, uh, and, oh. and and doing it on land ain't gonna work either. It has to be water. Okay, if if the Earth is round and it's spinning, why is it that I can't jump in the air and wind up in China? Because the air is matter, too. And the air is moving along with the earth, the air, the climate. That is matter. The air is matter, man. It's heavy. But you would think that it would make a difference. You would think that, like, if I was to go in a hot air balloon and go up, that I could just suspend myself in the exact same spot for, like, 
Well, a day. You, you, would, you would then be subjected to the air flow, the flow of the air, which is also matter and heavy, too. Heavier than you think it is. It's just like water. The, it's then, a little thinner than water. If that was the case, then if you move in one direction, you should always feel more airflow and more wind, but the wind flows in all sorts of directions. So that no, no, no. The air and the it, it moves around with the land masses. It's it's connected because of even just it's like um, it's connected in a way uh, through friction when the Earth turns. The air goes with it, so that would that does not work, Daniel. And that theory is I just disproved it. It doesn't well. It would not work that way physically because of the the matter. The air is part of it. The air is not like a, it's like a think about it like a skin when the earth turns. The air is the last skin when the earth turns, and it, the air goes with the water and the the, the solid matter. It uh, all goes around together. So that now, if you go up into space beyond the atmosphere of air, and you hang there, then that will happen. What you're talking about, then it will happen. Then, then you you will see the Earth turn, and you'll sit there, and you'll see the Earth turn. Okay, but if that were the case, then I should be able to just well, if you okay, like if you're in an airplane and you and you go from the east coast to the west coast, if the Earth was really turning, then it would be faster to go home because you would be flying into the turn of the Earth. No. No, it doesn't work that way. You don't understand that what I'm telling you. The air is part of it. If you go up beyond the atmosphere into space and fly home from up there, yeah, then it would be faster. But the thing is that you, you should yeah. still fill it because if, if the air was supposedly pushing you along, then, then you should have more friction in the front of the airplane okay, from the... the wind is blowing you home from school when you're on your bicycle, yeah, you will go faster. But it all depends on air currents until you get up beyond our atmosphere into space. And then, if you go opposite direction that the Earth is turning, you will go way, way faster uh, and towards your target. But an air current isn't going to cause me to take an extra hour in a plane flight yeah, sorry, in a plane flight, it would it would take off a couple minutes at the most to think that air would actually make that big of a difference. It, it doesn't really make a sense because airplanes are aerodynamic. Okay, I'm not following you now. Okay, an airplane is designed to slice into the air, to slice into yeah, the wind. But if there's wind blowing against it, there still is a little bit more drag if you're flying into the wind. So, So you're saying the pressure from the wind is stronger if you are flying into the Earth's turn. No, it, it doesn't affect... The, the Earth's turn does not affect airplanes in the least amount because of the pressure of the atmosphere. All the molecules in the atmosphere squishing down on, on everything. It's like a compression. So it stays where it is. When the Earth's turning, there is no. But, but then you would still go faster going in the other. You would still go faster going in the other direction because you oh, wouldn't have no, that. Not unless you're in space. Not unless you're in space. But it, it should still be doing that because. So 
it, you you can't. You're talking about it, you if you jump up in the air or whatever, and and you stay still. You're talking about that like an orbit, but you're not in orbit because uh, you're you're still connected to the atmosphere, which is turning with the Earth. But and that airplane is turning with the Earth around, and it is not affected by the Earth's turning in the least amount because of the pressure of the atmosphere squishing it all down on it. You know how much pressure there is, like in the atmosphere, that squishes down on us just from the the weight of the air molecules. That's what keeps you in place while the Earth turns. It doesn't matter if you jump up or down. It's the air pressure squishing down that keeps you in place. Uh, okay, so, I could I could buy that, but to think that I'm being pushed by molecules, once again, I would still go faster if I was flying in one direction versus the other. Yeah, okay, so, you know, I've already debunked that, too, um... I've debunked almost every flat Earth uh, experiment they've done. Now I'm coming up with some. I want to totally disprove it, man. I'm sick of it. Well, I would I would love for somebody to actually prove to me the Earth's round because I haven't seen one shred of proof. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm coming up with a way to do it. I have an experiment that I'm going to do, and I need some witnesses, and, and I might even get someone from the university to help me with this, a student or something. Another problem with that is that you would think that people in Australia, they would be upside down. Why can't we get a picture of them upside down from the satellite? Okay, well, um, time zones. There's another one. Like uh, They say it's dark over there. Um, if it's a flat Earth, it should always be, the sun should always be on us. We should always see the sun and the moon. Well, you know that yin-yang symbol? You've seen that before, right? A yin-yang? Yeah. That's actually the true flat earth rod of the moon and the sun. They sort of just spin around each other above the flat earth. Uh, then you should be always able to see them. That doesn't make sense to me. Well, not if it's... You well, see both of them. And not if it's over... A, it's Not if it's beyond the vanishing point. No, I don't believe in vanishing point. If you have a high-powered telescope, if it's flat Earth, you should still be able to see it. Like I said, you should be able to see everything like like uh, like I can see craters on the moon, so why wouldn't I be able to uh, to see um, the rest of the flat Earth from up on Mount Everest? Uh, so, so, Mike, so, Mike, you're telling me that that moon landing was real? Well, there is a mirror up on the moon that I don't know if, if that was real. I think they probably did one, but they never they didn't, they didn't show us their moon stuff. Uh, what they showed us was fake. But I do believe they did something up there, and, and you can see tracks with a telescope. There is tracks up there. There's something up there that's moved around. Uh, you can see uh, uh, one spot there is a, a, a mirror set up. You can actually shine a laser on it from and get it to shine back at you. Even a small hand laser, you can do that with. Really? Are you sure about that? Yeah, I'm absolutely positive. If you know where to shine it on the moon, uh, you can hit that. You can hit the laser. I mean, you'd probably have to set it up on a stand that you can crank. You know what I mean? And 
um, there is a spot where they set up a mirror so that you can shine a laser on it and get it to shine back at you. Okay, here's another thing that's I'll look hard more to into that, but I know they've done they have done this, and it, and that's that proves that someone's been up there. Another problem is that all of the footage that I've seen of NASA of astronauts in space, it all looks extremely fake. You would think that they would have to have some really strong armor on to resist the vacuum of space. Otherwise, it would crush their flimsy little suits like tin cans. Well, you know, they didn't really talk about it much either. Like, the astronauts, uh, when interviewed, they they didn't seem too excited to talk about being up there. They they kind of had a weird atmosphere about them. Like, I think they were lying. Yeah. And some people would say, oh, that's because there's aliens or UFOs up there, which very well might be true, but maybe it's because they never really went up there. Yeah, I don't think they did. Somebody else did. Somebody, yeah, they, if they really went up there, they would have been all excited and and saying, hey, oh, I got this and this. Wow, it was incredible. And You know what I mean? Yeah, they would... You would look in their eyes and see that their mind is, like, glowing. Like, They'd be excited, you know, yeah. Like Chris Hatfield from Milton, where I grew up, went to high school right in Ontario here. He he was on the, um, uh, what do you call it, space station? Uh-huh. What do they call that? The, the uh, I, you know, I, ISS? ISS, yeah. And... When he came back to Milton, you could see in his eyes he was there. He, you know, he was going, man, it was so cool. You know, you know what I mean? He was there. He did, that was real. Hmm. But when it, the other, like, yeah, I believe that's real. But I don't think that they. That's just a little thing they do for the public to actually distract you from what they're actually doing. Uh, yeah, it's doing. They've, they've, uh, they've, you know, when they started doing these uh, remote viewing um, classes and they're doing the, the, the uh, who was it, the CIA that was trying to get people to find out who was good at remote viewing for a long time there? Yeah, there was a fellow named Ingo Swan. Yeah. And he actually remote viewed the moon, and according to him, there's alien activity going on up there, some kind of binding operation. This was this was a ploy to get people and recruit them and find out who can remote view because that's how you steer one of these flying saucers. That's how you drive it. That's how you navigate. You have to be able to remote view in in order and that's the way it works. It works telepathically. When they when they reverse engineered it, they realized that and they do. They did talk with extraterrestrials, and what I've been told was uh, through a secret source is that's how it, they drive them. By they need to be able to remote view. So that's what they were trying to find people that can remote view back then for pilots for the reverse engineered flying saucers that work with met, um, Mercury vortex engines uh, that are uh, electromagnetic. Basically, anti gravity, and that also uh, would not work unless gravity was electromagnetic, which I believe it probably is. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about. I seen one of those crafts that was ba- based on those principles. That triangle craft I saw when I was 18, I believe that was using the uh, what do you call it? Mercury vortex, where the mercury mercury substance spins around and it create it it creates a, a electromagnetic. It, it kind of turns it into a magnet. Like if you hold two magnets against each other and they push away from each other, it kind of repels it and keeps it afloat. Yeah, that's uh, also like the vimana um, from the ancient Sanskrit text. They describe the same thing with with mercury, a vortex engine. That's <laughs> strange, eh? Like they they had them back then. All uh, right. So yeah, yeah. It's, I I do I do definitely believe in those crafts because I've seen one, and I'm sure that those things can go as high as they want to. I don't think they're limited to uh, li- limited to just flying in the low atmosphere. I'm sure they can go to the moon, and they they probably have a base up there for all I know. Ah, uh, there it is. I'm trying to send Darren the link to your show. Why doesn't he have it? He was, li- he, you know, Darren. Yeah, Michael. you just go to endofdaysradio.com <laughs> for the the link. He's the one who introduced me to your show. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's the one who introduced me to your show. All right, I'll share it. How's how is the Monster Castle Paranormal podcast doing? Ah, uh, well, I've been laying low a bit, but I've still been putting some out there. But since my wife's passing away uh, three weeks ago, uh, it just I I had a hard time doing anything really. Yeah, sor- sorry to hear about that. Yeah. I saw that on Twitter. That's uh, that's really you know I really feel for you. That's a uh, Awful thing to be going through. Well, it's good to have friends like you, man, that I can call and talk to and take my mind off it. Yeah, yeah, definitely something to be said for keeping busy. One thing I like about the paranormal and these topics is once you once you start in on them, you just get totally obsessed with it. It can be a great distraction or, or great entertainment. Yeah. So, yeah, I I make my own magic wands, too. If you want to talk more about your guest, I thought it was awesome, and I learned a lot from him. Yeah, absolutely. I have always kind of thought that magic wands were a little bit goofy. I, I never made one, but I've looked at things like YouTube videos instructing people on how to do rituals, and they always seem to have a wand so apparently having a wand is a very important thing. And the way that he explained what exactly the wand or the stick is, it, well, it makes perfect sense. Uh, that really opened my eyes because basically if you are a person who's a caveman before civilization or anything like that, that stick or that wand is giving you so much power to manipulate and create and, and interact with the world around you. Huh. Yeah, well, um, I think you gotta make your own though. You gotta feel the, you gotta feel the vibes in something. And if you find a stick and you think it's magic, well, it is. And then I find a crystal. If I feel like it's magic, I'll mount it on that stick. And I might even carve some sigils in there. And, uh, 
I usually make those up too. And I, I just, when I'm carving a symbol in there, I think of something. And so I'm putting my thought into it. And that's a spell. That is a spell. That's what a spell is. His thoughts, even your thoughts, are spells. It's that simple. When you think your thought goes out into the universe, it does never go away. It becomes actual matter. Thoughts actually have weight. Have you heard about that? Uh, that makes sense. They actually have registered scientifically that when thoughts go out of the human body, they actually have physical weight. It's a very small amount, but <laughs> it's there. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I believe it because... Like, think about if you if you have a head full of nasty thoughts, like if you are always thinking bad things about people, like your coworkers, anybody, even if they deserve it, if you are thinking this stuff, it is going to define who you are. For sure, man. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I could look it up, but I could back that up with the... Um, uh, links to that study that was done about thoughts having weight. So, but then, so then, it, and then it never goes away. It's, it's so. Yeah, that's. Well, anyways, I've used what I used my magic wand for. What, what did he say he used his for? He, I think that he pretty much just uses it for everything because he does a lot of a lot of different types of. Uh, spells and concoctions. One of the main things he does is he does something called magic cooking that I was supposed to ask him about, but didn't really get into too much. So a lot of his videos are showing how to make things like certain oil substances or uh, you know magical weapons and things like that. But I, I can imagine that he uses his wand or his stick for for rituals and and getting getting things to happen. Yeah, pretty cool. Makes me so, want to go out there and start yeah, carving if, a stick. You can use it for anything. That's right. Anything you think of that you want to try doing and manifesting, you want to bring money to yourself or whatever. Uh, like, I literally do wave the magic wand around in the air when and when I I say it over and over and over. You don't need a magic wand, but it it, it just helps you. Even if you think you're magic, then you become more magic. And yeah, I, I believe it. Happen that I wish for it, it does happen. If you keep wishing for something, it will happen. Because the only way things happen is is you have to start with the with the drive. You have to want something to happen. And if you say you never want anything to happen, nothing will happen. You'll sit there, and your whole life will go by you, and nothing happens. Well, I know for sure that if you believe that something can't happen, you guarantee that it can't happen 100% because you won't even try to make it happen. Well, I couldn't find my dog a, a while ago. Then all of a sudden I was freaking out, and I pulled the, mic, the, the headphone out, and that's why I couldn't hear the guy uh, for a little while on the show uh, when I called in. But uh, I, I, I asked the spirits, Help me find my dog, and then I was staring at this dresser that has not a dresser; it's a armoire. So it has a 
thing where you can hang your clothes in, and I put my towels underneath, and that's where she was. I was looking at the door, and I was getting ready to go on my bike, and my buddy was going to go with me all around the neighborhood and start looking for her. And I looked at that door, and it was shut. I remember shutting that door. She didn't answer when I called her, but I thought she that's where she is. I opened the door, and there she is. You have a psychic connection. Well, I can find anything. You know, my friends always ask me to find shit for them because I'll just, I'll, I'll ask the spirits to help me zone into it. And I find their keys when they're missing, their phones. I find everything. Uh, my roommate always asks me where the teeth are. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Yeah. It looks like we have another caller hey, on the line. Hello? Daniel? Hi, who's this? This is Willie. Hey, I'm, Willie. I've been listening to this damn fraud you got on the other line with you that says he can prove the earth is fucking flat. He can prove that, that thoughts have, that have weight. And then he, he goes off some metaphysical bullshit and you, you give him a pass on that. I put him, put him on the freaking line. Put him on the, say, how can you prove this? How can you prove it, Wolfman? How can you fucking prove that thoughts have weight? You're going to go make me fucking Google some shit? Is that, what, is that what this is all about? Wolfman, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Do you want to answer these allegations, or, or should we move on? Well, I, I could pull up the link that proves thoughts have weight. It was a scientific... Pull up a link, you piece of shit. That's what you got, is a fucking link? You... This is what you do your research on? So both you cunts. Well, we fucking YouTube? Oh, bullshit. Oh, you come off like you're psychic. Fuck um, you, Wolfman. A penguin. If we find him a penguin and he has, like, if we barbecue it on a rotisserie, Willie will calm down. Uh, okay, so you know Willie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay, that's what I That's what I thought. I, I, I was hoping that you, you know Willie and he's not really that mad at you. <laughs> Uh, he just doesn't agree with what I was saying. He wants proof. That's all I ask. You, you both, you both come on here with your fancy pants, and you get on the, the air and you prance around like, oh, there's Illuminati. You, if you fold up a dollar bill, you're gonna be signed up with the devil. Fuck you, Wolfman. No man, I'm trying to speak here. Well, the the Illuminati actually does exist. I mean, there's a Wikipedia page for the Illuminati. Wikipedia? You son of Can you guys get out of your fucking mother's basement? And don't believe that the dollar bill you got stuck up in your ass that the government gave you is going to control your fucking mind. Be a fucking man. That's all I've ever asked from Wolfman for day fucking one. But you little cunts. You get behind here on your stupid fucking microphones, and you can you can spread your word about how everything's wrong. And Wolfman can tell about how, oh, I, I thought I asked, wait, but you can't prove that shit. Wait you can't prove a fucking you can't prove a fucking thing anyone has ever said on this shit fucking show. Somebody already did. I read the article on it, and it's been proven at a university. And I'll I'll pull it up right now. And, and there's definitely you piece you know, of shit are fucking pseudoscientists, little bitches that cannot 
come up with a thought that you can't come off of fucking YouTube. That's where you get your fucking credibility. Well, wait you a guys minute. Are just... Did you come up with a cockamamie idea like I did, Willie, on my own, like that? Could you even conceive something like that? I mean, it's pretty far out. And I think we should dis. I'm trying to disprove the flat Earth theory. Is what I'm trying to do with that. What you're doing is you're throwing a bunch of shit up on the wall and see if it sticks. And you'll say, maybe uh, I'll fucking try it out later. Because I ain't got time. Because I want to sit at home, smoke my fucking weed. Both of you bitches. On a ball in the Earth's gravity, it won't work. But if you take it into space, and they've done this on the ISS, they've put water molecules in there floating around, and they put another object like a bowling ball near it, and the water droplets are actually attracted to the bowling ball. So there you go. So both you and Daniel, you take what NASA says, and you you say they're lying to me. They but then you find one what what bit of what, they, what they, bit of truth, and you and you latch onto one bit of fucking truth. Okay, will it validate anything? Anything will else it. you fucking say? Wait, will it? Will it? Will it? It's, Theory. We don't know. I don't fucking know. What's your theory? Well, bullshit. You act like you fucking know everything. Okay, you, Willie. You listen to me for a second. Balls. I don't well, act like I know everything. I just, I just, just telling you my logical opinion of things. All right. I do have a lot of knowledge. All right, Willie. Are you telling me that that fake-looking moon landing with the tinfoil and cardboard spaceships? And the fake-looking suits and all that. Are you telling me that was real? All I'm saying, Daniel, is I'm a fucking man. I go out in this world. I fucking work. I understand how things work. If I hit a fucking nail, it's going to go down. I don't need government confirmation saying, yes, it was there. But at the same time, if I miss a nail, I don't need a supervisor coming over and say. Oh, well, we'll just fake it. And then we'll take it to the big boss. He'll see the nails in there. And we're going to fucking make this escapade out there. It's bullshit. You take one bit of grain of salt that the government says, and you latch on to it as validation to any, any claim you, you, you bitches have. Any, any fucking, you, you're digging through Twitter to find the grains of salt to validate your fucked up minds. But then, you have a whole expose that goes on for fucking months about how they're conning you. But at the same time, you look to these people with your validation. It's fucking pathetic. Yeah, maybe if they fake moon landing, but then again, you throw a ball up in the fucking air, Daniel, and it goes up in the outer space, and NASA takes a picture of it, and you're going to get Twitter fucking money from it. You'll be like, yeah, there's my validation. Fuck you. You're, you're playing both sides of the fucking coin, both you these little bitches. You're just ranting like an idiot. You know, what? what's your theory then, if you're so smart? Um, actually, you could be wrong about the thoughts having weight, though. I cannot find, it seems to me that's only, it's only a theory, and, and you, it has not been proven. But it's possible. I, I cannot find the proof, so you might be right. I cannot find the uh, the experimental proof. Of that. Yeah, I don't know if that one's a real wolf, man. I was kind of questioning that myself. <laughs> as far as I can see, and I'm digging right now, it looks like it's just a theory. 
I'm shocked at your uh, lack of research on that uh, subject, there, Wolfman. But uh, you want to you want to my I, I my honest my honest opinion. You want to go ahead, Daniel. Sh- shame on you for getting Wolfman on here this early. He's been going through a lot. He was already mentally retarded, but now you've got a mentally retarded guy that's going through a fucking uh, life changing event. So I don't mean to drag Wolfman down. <laughs> But uh, as this far is, as my thoughts go, I'm a man. I can handle it. Everybody a man. handles things Fucking in their bitch. own way. This is how Wolfman handles things. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of you know what it takes to be a well, fucking man. I know how to go fishing. I actually catch fish. Bitch. Fuck you and your little fucking rotten around your bobbers. Fuck you, Canada. You suck my dick. Don't you want to know my truth? It's dynamite. Can we talk serious here for a second? Of course. Uh, Go ahead. Man, you might you might have to you might have to mute for this wolf, man. Alright. You guys talk about all this crazy stuff. But the most logical thing is we are actually living in a damn hologram world. So everything is fake except the hologram world. No, we are living in a in a computer simulation, and that would explain deja vu. That would explain your fucking Mandela effects and all that other bullshit. And at times when you when you know someone's looking at you, and uh, you know what I'm saying, you wake up and you just know something's whatever. That's I think. And if you do the math, like Elon Musk did, then uh, the chances are that we are actually living in a freaking. Uh, Computer simulation. I, I I'm not opposed and to that, that. There's a lot of things that make sense about that. Well, that that would explain more so than a fucking flat Earth that uh, that the the moon can actually eclipse the sun perfectly. The odds of that happening are astronomical, I guess. And uh, you know, you can't you can't explain away deja vu. You can't explain away. Premonition. You can't explain away feelings and uh, and stuff like that. That that's all something that I think plays into a that we're living in computer simulation. Willie, where are you from? Look, you sound bitch. I'm a man. I'm fucking American, and that's where I'm from. I'm a goddamn American. I know a stupid ass Canadian. Well, well, yeah, I know you're an American, but you have a. It sounds like you have a Southern accent. I was wondering where exactly you're from. Look here, you piece of shit. I think I used to live in Texas. I used to live in Texas. I have absolute no respect for fucking Texans. They are the worst piece of shit that's ever been on this world. If you ever move out of Texas, and you say you're driving a cab, and some fucking Texan gets in there. All they want to do, they got this shit when they talk about Texas. They went, oh, hey, let's let's spend a whole fucking weekend at a lake talking about Texas. They're the most worthless pieces of cunts in the world. As soon as they're out of the state of Texas, there is no no person worthlesser in the fucking world. They they want to say, oh, I'm David Crockett. Yeah, you lost the Alamo world, you bitches. Fuck you. I like your barbecue and all that bullshit. I was proud to be a Texan, but I'm more proud to be the 
fuck away from that shit place now because they're a bunch of cowards and they're the most worthless fucking people in the world. I I can't. And the women, goddamn. Pretty. I'll give you that, man. I, they are beautiful. But if your man aim out, you get a fucking job. Honest to God, when I was down there in fucking school, it was a thing. You would get a paddle. The damn coach had shit where he drilled the fucking holes in the board. He would paddle your ass. You would get a paddle. That's gay. You're not fucking smiling. That's gay. You're not smiling. You had to have a smile on your face. No matter what. You had to, you had to dress someone down. You had a fucking smile on your face. Fucking Texas. The fuck. You were talking about living in a matrix. The fuck, so because you're brainwashed. Jim Jones should be the fucking governor of that shit fucking hole. All right, Willie, we're going to move on. Thanks for calling in, buddy. All right, fuck okay. off. Aaron says this is great radio. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't bad, but uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was going a little long. <laughs> Where, where's your chat? I can't find your chat. Uh, it's just right. It's right there on the website. You go to chat room. Okay, I don't know. I was in there, but it didn't seem like anyone else was in there. Yeah, it's uh, it hasn't been very busy. I've been doing shows at all kinds of different times, and I haven't been able to stick to a schedule. So hopefully, we'll get back on schedule, get some action in there again. But for now, I'm just kind of focusing on having a good podcast. Do you have um a Twitter chat room too? Uh, I used to have one of those, but uh, there's a lot of trolling, a lot of negativity, and I, I kind of just would rather just be on Twitter and, and talk to whoever and not, not have, like, a little group of, of certain individuals. I'd rather just talk to everybody. Everybody that listens to this show, I'd like to talk to without having any little hidden groups or anything like that anywhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, the trolls, you know, they're funny sometimes. Again, and I don't let it bother me. You got to take the good with the bad. You got to think about it like even bad advertisement is still advertisement. It's still good. Yeah, for sure. But the thing is, I want to, like I was saying, I want to talk to everybody, not just, not just a, you know a few certain people. So if anybody wants to talk to me on Twitter, they can. Everybody has my Skype name, ninjashi seven seven seven. You can get a hold of me through email, DanielEndOfDaysRadio at gmail.com, or you can join the forum at EndOfDaysRadio.com or hop in the chat there. Uh, no need to create any special Facebook groups or Twitter groups or anything like that. We'll just all kind of hang out together. That's cool. So it's at um, Ninja Shoes on Twitter, and I'm at WolfmanMike47 on Twitter. And you can catch me on Facebook as well. That's Facebook.com slash TheRealEndOfDaysRadio. Feel free to go ahead and like the End of Days Radio, the Real End of Days Radio page. That helps me a lot when you go there and you like that page. Would you have a Facebook, Wolfman? Oh yeah, I got a Monster Castle Paranormal Facebook and. Well, where's yeah, your website? Where's your website? Uh, website is MonsterCastleParanormal.com, and then uh, you can go on TuneIn Radio. Um, and look up Monster Castle Paranormal, you'll find me there. I usually have a 24-7 thing going with uh, playing my archives. Are you on iTunes? Um, no, I haven't done iTunes yet. But yeah, I, yeah, you got to get on, get in on that, buddy, because I looked for your show one time. I couldn't find it. Yeah, we we got to talk privately after the show. I need your help with something. Yeah, yeah, of course. 
just uh, message me. But I'll let you yeah. go for now. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish up the show. So I'll talk to you later, Wolfman. All right. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. Yeah. Check out hey. Monster Castle Paranormal, everybody. What what times are you on again? Uh, Saturday midnight Eastern Central Time, always uh, live uh, from yeah three hour show, and I usually do a, a Dirty Rotten Taro afterwards. Um, which is a comedy show, and it's not for everybody, but we do tarot readings, and they they become twisted. Sometimes I do, uh, um, sometimes they turn out good, sometimes they're just funny as hell. Uh, I try to throw a punch in at the end of them. And, and uh, I also do prank phone calls and stuff, and we get really crazy on that show. A lot of fun. <laughs> All right, awesome. And I will talk to you again, Wolfman. All right. Yeah, you can find that on Spreaker.com. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye now. And there you have it. That was Wolfman Mike going through some hard times, but still taking the time out of his day to call in and join me here on End of Days Radio still broadcasting from those beautiful broken runes of Babylon. And there are just a few more things I want to talk about. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of time because we are getting close to four hours, and I don't want to make this show too super long. Otherwise, no one's going to have time to listen to it. So uh, I have a couple more emails. I'll just read one of them for now, and I'll save the other one for tomorrow. Yes, we're on again tomorrow night at the Standard Time, or sort of the Standard Time, at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I will be talking to David Charles Plate about some very interesting topics. There's also a lot more shows headed down the pipe as well that I have not added to the schedule yet, but I will do that as soon as I'm done with this show here. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I think I'm going to save this one. I'm going to read this one because of our buddy Willie, who was kind of coming from a similar place. This is from Mario. He says, Daniel, all the things you cover are fake. In fact, you are a snake oil salesman, just like Alex Jones, who you claim to hate, yet you constantly quote. Signed, Mario. Wow, that is a mean one. Mario. Okay, so, first of all, the things I cover are not fake. You just think that they're fake. I have no doubt that there are things that I cover that are fake. I have no doubt that I'm completely wrong about many things, that many of my guests are very wrong about a great number of things. But that is the nature of what we are doing. We're exploring the unexplained, the unknown. We're traveling through the darkness, learning about of learning about all that's out there that hasn't been explored yet. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of theories that turn out not to be true because we're always speculating. We're trying to figure out what's going on. But that doesn't mean that everything is fake. We obviously must have something to go on to be even interested in this stuff in the first place, right? There must be some truth to it, some small amount of evidence. There must be some corroborating witnesses. There must be something, right? Of course there is. So no, everything I cover is not fake. I would say that the majority of it is real. 
I tend to look over my guests really well. If I feel that they are, if I know in my heart that that person is a fake, a fraud, a liar, then I don't have them on. Like if I look at their stuff and I can see it's very negative and that they're just trying to make money off of people and they're just making up wild assumptions and theories, then I won't have them on. But if I check out their stuff and it makes sense to me and they're proving things to me using logic and reason and they're very well thought out and well researched, then absolutely I'll have them on and I'll talk to them. Because I believe that there is a great deception going on and we are all under a spell. We're all inside of a matrix. We're under a spell. Our thoughts are controlled. Our reality is controlled. And it's a very tight reality. It's a tight shoe fit reality. It's it's a reality where the shoe is on the foot and it's very tight. There's no room to really think. There's no room for flexibility. And that's sad that we live in this tight shoe reality. It's sad. It's sad that kids grow up in this sometimes shitty existence of of materialism. Right? That's kind of part of it, all the materialism and the money, the money is the energy and the energy is all going somewhere. We really should pay attention to where our energy is going because because if we did that, we might actually get somewhere. The thing is that a lot of us, a lot of us work shitty jobs. I've had plenty of shitty jobs <coughs> and I didn't want to be there, but this system that we live in forced me to be there because I have to pay my bills. I suppose if I grew up more naturally inclined and bonded with the earth that I would not have to do things like that. But I also wouldn't have cool stuff like iPhones and electric guitars and things like that. So, whoa, somebody's calling in again. Wow, okay, let's do it. Hello. Hey, Daniel. Oh, hey hey there, buddy. How you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm enjoying the show, but I tuned in late, thinking that you were regular time, 9.30. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give you the right time. What time did you start the show? We've been going since 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock? Oh, my God. Um, The Wolfman was on the entire time? No, no, no. We had a magician on earlier named Billy Brujo. I missed it. God damn it, Daniel. I was looking forward to that. Yeah, you missed a good show, but luckily you do not have to listen to the live shows because it's released in many forms afterwards, so you can go back and you can listen. Yeah, I listen to you on uh, Stitcher. Um, it's my favorite podcast replayer because um, I can download that and use it data-free the next day. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you post it. Yeah, shout out to those but, guys um, over at Stitcher. But goddamn, I miss the Wolfman. Oh, <laughs> this is the Wolfman. This is the Wolfman, Jack, baby. Uh, you know my favorite part about the Wolfman? What's that? He's uh, a musician, and um, or one of my favorite things. And then he does a great Wolfman impression. And then, and then that song, Flat Earth Heads. <laughs> You don't have to something or another. Yeah, how does it I go? Flat Earth heads, 
You know that they lied to uh, you, something, something. You know that they lied to you. I should have had him uh, sing I that. that. I, I had him right here I on the line. I would have sang. Well, it's, I missed a large part of his show, and then Willie calls in. That, thank God he's following uh, Wolfman around and not you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, he was a little aggressive, but it was kind of entertaining, so I, I wanted to keep him on the line a little while. He's pretty funny. If somebody's calling me bitch, I usually call them bitch back, though, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I totally um, get that. I, I just uh, I, I try to be nice to was, everybody. When he was talking about driving a nail, he might be one of those construction workers that you see out there that's kind of one eye, kind of going the other direction, and he's pounding a nail. Have you ever seen that guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, yeah, using a little more aggression than you would need to pound the nail. I do that sometimes too, you know. Well, not everybody not everybody believes in these magical and mystical things. Many people would rather live in that tight shoe reality like I was talking about earlier. Well, I missed the tight shoe reality. I was hoping to catch the magician talking about voodoo. He didn't really talk about voodoo, but he he talked quite a bit about just, you know, general magic topics. And he has an interesting show that he does on YouTube. Go to Billy Brujo. You know, search Billy Brujo. You can watch some of his videos. He actually does something called magical cooking, and he, he shows how to, you know, make these different oils and different enchanted weapons and things like that. Well, I'll tune back into your show and hear what he was talking about. Maybe I'll check his site out. But I'm going to say a couple things about voodoo real quick that I know. Go ahead. Um, the, the, the zombie dust, they make that out of puffer fish that exists off the coast of Haiti. Yeah, that's, that's that whole thing is really creepy. The zombie thing where they, they put you in a grave or whatever and they give you the drug and you, you have to be somebody's slave. But they but they dry the uh, puffer fish, and it's got the neurotoxin that produces the zombie effect. Daniel, that's the most important part to understand. Yeah, that's some spooky stuff. All shamans from every part of the world understand which mushrooms or puffer fish produce which effects in all the regions around the globe. So on the zombie thing, that's a very powerful neurotoxin that has um, incredible effects. Do you remember me talking about how pearl divers can hold their breath for 20 minutes, Daniel? Yeah, that's right. Zombie drug causes your heart to slow down where you can be buried alive for days and not need the amount of oxygen that you would require normally if you're in your right state of, if you're not trained on how to breathe differently. Do you remember how we've been talking about the Himalayas and the masters, the hidden masters, Daniel? Yeah, definitely. They use um, drugs in the Himalayas too, those monastic orders. It's been proven researchers have traveled to those mountains and documented that um, 
there was one researcher in particular, his name was Archon Darul, and he he seeked out all secret societies. That was his project. Wrote an incredible book. But he talks about going to the Himalayas and meeting one of these monasteries. And um, they took him through a ritual and they banged the gongs. And um, they did everything that you would think of. But they fed him some ingredient, a uh, gruel. He called it gruel, you know, like mashed up stuff over in the Himalayas. And he snuck some out at the end and he had it tested. And they were using... They were using, um, I can't, ethnogens in the gruel that they were feeding their members. So I'm not saying that the monks over in the Himalayas are phony. I'm just saying they use similar things that all shamanistic cultures use worldwide. Yeah, that's some interesting stuff. I would hate to think that a person might be able to actually find the ingredients to those chemicals on the Internet or something and actually use them for the wrong purposes. Maybe it's good that, that we don't know the exact ingredients. Maybe it's good that some things remain secret. No, you're so wrong, Daniel. Um, in my opinion, um, I'm a libertarian. People should be able to kill themselves if they want to, in my opinion. If you want to kill yourself, go ahead. Um, no one should tell you otherwise. If somebody wants to ingest something, allow them to do it. I'm libertarian. Um, because you know, you know why, Daniel, by um, that, that method, uh, it's trial and error. If it doesn't work, people learn a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I'm just thinking that, what if somebody got a hold of the zombie drug and they started giving it to people at parties and stuff like that? I mean, a, a responsible adult like you or me is one thing, but what about some of these frat boys that give women date rape drugs and stuff like that? I would, I would hate for it to get into their hands. Well, I better tell you a little bit more of the history of the zombie drug. As soon as the pharmaceutical corporations figured out that the zombie drug was coming out of Hades, they went and developed the zombie drug, and that's most of the drugs on the market right now. Did you know that? Oh, you mean like the uh, the weird designer bath drugs, bath drugs, and that yep. stuff? The, the ones, the depression. The, are you feeling bummed out? Take one of these. Puts you in a zombie state. Have you ever done an antidepressant, Daniel? Um, I can't really say that I have other than pot. Most antidepressants you have to use for a few weeks before the effects to kick in. And uh, believe me, they have ones that will produce a zombie effect. And that's probably partly what's going on in the United States. Is I have had this stuff called... Industries. I had... Uh, sorry, I, I have had this stuff called Seroquel. Have you ever had that? Oh no, I don't take any any pharmaceuticals. Yeah, that Seroquel myself. stuff. That stuff will turn you into a zombie right quick. But I've known people that taken Prozac and every type of drugs over the years, Daniel. I'm very observant. I realized long ago that 
people were being whacked out by these drugs. And then I started to connect, make the connections a long time ago. You know how video games, a lot of them are those um, first-person shooter games? Yeah, like uh, Doom or Call of Duty, games like that. Yeah. Um, you know who, you know, when the when the Soviet Union collapsed, Daniel? Uh-huh. The military ha- had a bunch of um, simulator games that they created to train the military. And so rather than you know, sit around. This is what they claim. They, the military got into game manufacturing and they used their simulators to produce a lot of the first-person shooter games back in the late 90s. And at that same time, a lot of the um, zombie drug was being introduced into the pharmaceutical antidepressant thing. Look it up, Daniel. The chemical combinations might be slightly different, but they're almost identical in, in, in effect that they produce. Slightly different, but almost identical. If you go to another culture, Daniel, that's primitive, all they have to do, like the, your guest, your last guest was saying, is the community condemns that one person, and then the shaman puts the curse on them. And then pretty soon that guy's going to become a zombie because the community's condemned him and the magic works. Um, yeah, I would not go for that. I would not go for that. I would say, uh, I don't think so. I'm going to grab the stick. None of you people better come near me. I'm going to, I'm going to get the fuck out of this ghetto little village. I'm going to be your way out of this zombie village. Yeah, I'm going to move to the city. Haven't you ever seen that show Serpent and the Rainbow? Uh, that's a show, no. Oh, it's one of the best movies ever made on zombies. This researcher from the United States goes to Haiti because the company sends him there to find out about the drug. So he goes down there, and sure enough, he pisses off the zombie people because he wants the drug. The, you know, the ones that control the drug. And so they use it on him, and they bury him alive. And then they turn him into a zombie. And it was a well-done movie, Daniel, like um, major Hollywood production called The Serpent and the Rainbow. And um, he comes back to, he tries to get out of there and they show up in a parade and blow some of this dust in his face. And then the next thing you know, he's tripping out. And they get him, and they put him in a coffin, and they bury him alive. And that'll fuck you up. They throw a couple spiders in at the end. And let me tell you about Haiti. That's real. Voodoo and zombies, and um, that is real. The last president of Haiti, his name was... Uh, baby Doc Jubilee, and he ran that country. He was the president, and he was the head witch doctor of Haiti. We overthrew that country. We helped overthrow it back in the 90s, maybe. And when they went in, he had tons of jars, Daniel, where he 
claimed he was keeping people's souls. Okay, that's, that's pretty weird. Story. Yeah, that's pretty weird. So you can go look it up. So he was into voodoo then. He was into voodoo. The whole country still ran by voodoo. And the president was the head voodoo priest. You can go look that up. That, Maybe Doc Jubilee. That kind of reminds me, there's a movie that's kind of like that called The Wicker Man, where Nicolas Cage he goes to this island and they end up burning him alive inside of this giant wicker man. I, I didn't see that one, but if you know what's good for you, you'll look up the serpent and the rainbow because that'll blow your your mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it was it was a big budget movie, and boy, it's spooky. You know, the there's only a few movies that I that I go that's scary, like The Exorcist. That was pretty scary. Uh, but the serpent and the rainbow is one of those that's really spooky because that shit's real there in that country. Yeah, I, I don't doubt there. it. I don't doubt it. That is really some creepy stuff. I mean, don't they believe in werewolves too? Like they call them loot guru or something like that. What, what? I'm not sure what uh, uh, Haitians call um, shape shape shifting, but. Um, <laughs> 